This podcast is brought to you by PC component retailer and boutique builder Silver Knight PCs. Use offer code Broken Silicon to get six percent off everything on their website. And it is also brought to you by Healthy and Delicious Vite Ramen. And it is also also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com that gets you great deals on Windows keys and other products. You can find links in the description and the proper offer codes for all of these sponsors, and we'll talk about them later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. Today, as I am finally in an official episode in this new year, I'm joined by my co-host, Dan. And it's an official episode this time. It is. Well, I mean, official if official means Broken Silicon. It's the first Broken Silicon that we're having you on, which in some ways it's like, God, I do wish we could have had you on and then Jared, but there's no way around it. That was the CES episode. The guest cycle was then. Sometimes there's just years where we have like two or three banked episodes over the holiday period. Sometimes there are four, and sometimes the news episode drops perfectly, and sometimes we have almost a month's worth of content to go over, which is kind of annoying, which is what we're doing basically today in this, you know, news episode. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I feel there... Also, though, you know, there's been a lot of stories that I feel like have developed and resolved since then. So, you know, we just get to cover the resolution instead of it as it develops this time around. Yeah, like uh, I was going through and doing the final touches on the notes for this episode, and I deleted a couple things. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> changed. Yeah. And then there are other things where it isn't just similar to what we said or to what I thought might happen when I started writing the notes a couple weeks ago, or really three weeks ago, like like right when I started coming back to work. Uh, but it actually, <laughs> it actually had become much more so how we were thinking it would become than even I had envisioned <laughs> when I was writing about a story like the forty seventy ETI, where it's like the sales seem to continue to be bad. I have some new actually. Quotes from sources to show today regarding that. That's an example of one that'll be really fun to talk about, you know, a couple weeks after it came out. Yeah. Wait, something people aren't liking the 4070 Ti, though? <laughs> people aren't liking a lot of products coming out right now, given their price points. And that's, oh, yeah, yeah. we'll get to it. That's, that's its own story. But there are so many stories to go through in this one. You know, usually I limit it to six. If it's really important, we go into seven. Anytime it gets into eight or nine, I start limiting how long the wrap-up is but i don't i think we have like 12 main stories so we have 12 but i think the i think a lot of them will flow into each other so yeah and there's no wrap-up and there's less ending reader mails so and there's yeah. only one ending reader mail so this is like almost all stories uh after corrections which i guess let me just get right into them now then not to waste any more time uh deep glugs writes in and says watching the meteor lake update and i noticed in your video that you had a slide that said Intel 4 node manufacturing ready second half of 2022 and you circled it in the video and said LOL next to it. As far as I know, Intel has at least demoed products based on Intel 4 
and it's also taped out at least one stepping a meter. Like, I don't know if that really counts as manufacturing. But I don't know if you can laugh at it fairly just yet. Um, now, it's funny Deep Glug says this because uh, I've already told you about this. I, I talked to an Intel contact this week who who pointed this out also <laughs> and this person said that it isn't fair because technically intel 4 was manufacturing ready the like the last day of december or something and reported on time and i said you know you saying intel 4 is manufacturing ready is like intel or you saying that alchemist launched in quarter one of 2022 okay Yes, I guess there was a Korean laptop that no one could actually buy, but maybe was on one store's shelf in Korea mm-hmm. the last day of March. Congrats for that quarter one launch, Intel. Th- th- that's how I look at Intel saying their Intel 4 node is manufacturing ready last quarter. You know, saying that and having no products on sale, nor tons of demos all over the place. I know maybe they've demoed Meteor like once, But like no finals, like it's not ready. Mm -hmm. Like, and the funny thing is, is I've talked to a few Intel contacts over this past week, actually, not just that one. And depending on who you ask, and I'm working on a pretty big video about Intel's foundries and stuff moving forward. But depending on who you ask, when a product comes out, it's like, oh, it's the design team for Meteor Lake that effed up. Oh, it's the foundry that effed up. The The video I'm working on kind of answers, why are so many products being delayed? And it actually, I don't want to give too much away before the video is <laughs> out, but it actually suggests that Intel's foundries may be doing better than people think. And there's something else more complex going on as to why so many of their products keep getting delayed. But, you know, we'll save that for the video. The problem is, though, I spent a whole week trying to figure that out. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Deep Glugs, this person I talked to at Intel, all I know is you have no Intel 4 products for sale. You know, Intel 4 products plan to go on sale this quarter. It doesn't exist. So saying it was manufacturing ready is basically he said, she said. You can say your foundry was ready at the end of 2022, but it's the design that effed up. I don't care. All I know is as far as I can tell, there will be no Intel 4 products until like, a year after it's supposedly manufacturing ready. So I don't really care what you call it. I'm going to keep laughing at this until you guys deliver one product when you say you will. Which, hey, we'll get it eventually, Tom. But I guess... We always do get it eventually. Oh, I, I guess, yeah. So, but I will say... Well, and this is the A780. Uh, yes. Which I guess they didn't publicly promise, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but deep clogs, there's definitely some truth to what you're saying. I mean, you could argue I shouldn't laugh at that, but it... I don't think it turns into I'm wrong. I think it turns into I can hear the opinion for why you might say the node was ready and you shouldn't laugh at it. But that's your opinion. My opinion is if they don't launch, if they said it was ready second half of last year and they don't launch a single Intel for product until the second half of 2023, I'm going to keep laughing at that claim that it was ready. I don't care if it was the node was, the product wasn't. That's just pointing fingers at a certain point, in my opinion. From the outside, when Intel says things are ready to manufacture, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Big Jeff B writes in, and he says, I am concerned you guys are falling into the PC, to one of the PC master race mentality traps, where PC is best, and you should be trying to target 4K 120 hertz all the time. The reality is, in my opinion, that PC gaming is the one holding back graphics and resolutions, 
not consoles. It's those PCs that have 1650s and i7-6700Ks bottlenecking progress. And talking about 4K 120 all the time seems silly for this reason. I mean, devs aren't going to target that. The majority of PC gaming will always be done on things, on systems that have like DDR4 3200 or slower RAM and four to six core CPUs. It says 1650 or 590. It seems like we have gotten into a stagnation point in gaming where consoles are no longer the lowest common denominator. Now, I have some vague recollection of maybe what this guy's referencing in a recent piece of content. Um, I actually kind of like transcribed his reader mail from something that was four times longer and at a timestamp to something I couldn't find. So I think I vaguely remember what he's talking about, but where we said, I, 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 I think it's referencing a reader mail that was submitted that said, like, when do you think devs will start targeting higher performance and have consoles use lower resolutions and forget last-gen stuff? Um, to that, I have a few things, Big Jeff B. <laughs> Number one, I don't think the PS5 and Xbox Series X are the, are the start of this trend. The PS4 had, like, basically the equivalent of a 7870. A few CUDA, a few stream processors, or SM... Uh, a few CUs, I'm trying to remember all these, <laughs> a few CUs were disabled compared to the 7870, but it actually had more bandwidth and more asynchronous compute units, if I remember correctly. Like, roughly right. speaking, the PS4 basically had a weird, it's actually kind of like a 7870-sized graphics card that's hard design was kind of a combination of the 7970 and 7870. Most people back then had like 4 gigs of RAM in a 550 Ti, so a new console being better than the average gaming PC. This has been true for several generations yeah. now. Well, yeah, and I, I think in general, like the at the start of a console generation, the new consoles coming out kind of at a minimum just rejiggers what's been out. And I think you usually see a lot of innovation around in graphics when consoles come out regardless, which even if you can say the PS5 was never like the strongest con uh, thing on the market as far as, gaming goes i would say it was at least high mid-range when it came out and you know a lot of graphics cards that have been pushing the envelope for like what you do with graphics have come out since then so yeah i i, I do think consoles push the market forward when they come out and then as the generation progresses they sometimes can start to hold it back which i don't think is happening yet but not even close honestly um and that wasn't always true. I think that was true for the past, like, two decades. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think the PS2, PS1, N64, those are all way behind PCs of the time. Having said that, PCs at the time were, like, four grand, and not one <laughs> to two grand. And so the bargain you got was arguably no different than now. Um, you know, we talked about when our devs going to say, hey, let's make, like, the 3070 the standard for, like, 1440p120, let high-end cards do 4K 120, and then let consoles dynamically go to lower resolutions. And we said it's probably going to have to happen in about a year. And I don't know. I think Big Jeff is saying that's not going to happen because too many people have i7s and 1650s or whatever, right? 580s, mm -hmm. um, which is actually stronger than a 1650. <laughs> just sad, but um, but uh, yeah, I don't agree. I, I don't agree. I, I think um, let's see where this price war goes with graphics cards and components this year before you say no one's going to be able to afford to have more recent low-end cards than what you're saying. Because I think over the next two years, and we're going to get to that as one of the main stories, something is going to give here in terms of budget builds. Don't yeah, you think? 
Yeah. And, and, you know, from my perspective, like talking about 4K 120, I think the reason or 1440p 120, those are, those are the resolutions people are targeted and frame rates people are targeting these days, because frankly, it's not hard to run 1080p at anything really anymore. It's not hard to run 4K uh, 60 hertz or 1440p 60 hertz anymore. It's really not that hard. So most new products are going to be targeting high frame high frame rate high resolution because that's what new products can service old products can service 1080p perfectly fine and 1440p at like 60 hertz perfectly fine um so uh, to a certain extent it's like i don't know what you want me to talk about with the four like a 4080 at 1440p 60 hertz because it's going to run everything at 1440p 60 hertz you know I don't think we're PC master race people at all, no. <laughs> I guess is what I'm is kind of what I'm trying to say to this big Jeff B. We're not falling into any traps here. We may talk about devs targeting 4k 120. We're not saying you have to do it yourself. If you can't notice the difference, we may talk about devs, hopefully trying to make use of 80 teraflop graphics cards, <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we think everybody needs to go for that nor that you need to when you have consoles pushing pretty dang good image quality for the price. And I know PC may not quite be there, but I don't know. Can't you still get an RX 6600 for 250 or less? Mm -hmm. Overclock that. You're kind of almost an extra console performance. And we don't think it costs that much for devs to say, hey, I know there's a lot of people with 1650s and i7s. Guess what? You're now 1080p 60 gamer or 720p gamer deal with it the 6600s $200 we want to target that now as the minimum for decent image quality because it's only 200 bucks whether we're talking about a console or a PC if you still have a 1650 it's time to get a 6600 yeah and you know if you want to just stick with what you have until it breaks that's fine i think the 1650 will work generally speaking for a little bit longer i mean it's getting a little long in the tooth now. It's a 12 for, nanometer low end graphics card, guys. It's getting a little long in the tooth. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's not a surprise that it's not some 1440p powerhouse anymore. Or it no. never was. But <laughs> yeah. And and again, it's like it doesn't mean it stops working, Big Jeff. <laughs> so they make the 6600 run 1080p 60 or something. And the consoles are kind of dynamically jumpy between 1080p 60 and 1600p 60 depending on the scene right because it's a little mm. it's a bit stronger than a 6600 i don't think any devs gonna look at a 1650 running a game at 720p 60 and say that's unplayable they're gonna say you have a 12 nanometer low-end card from 2018 dude or 2019 like yeah it's in 720p mm -hmm. like at a certain point if you want new forms of gameplay devs are gonna have to target newer hard hardware and i think that inflection point's gonna start coming in about a year or yeah. not about a year we talked about this this year end of this year you're gonna start seeing it um and i hope by then prices will have corrected <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we're, we're rambling here hopefully this discussion made sense to everybody here but i did want to address this um all right final correction sarcastro writes in and says tom according to a december 26th motley fool article the rtx 4080 costs 300 to manufacture is this anywhere close to reality from what you know no, not even re remotely close. So what? This costs half as much to make as like a 3080 as verified by EVGA, me, it, Gamers Nexus. No, the, the, I don't know where they got this from. 
from what I could find, it's from some tweet that they said uh, the price of the RAM and the wafer or not in the silicon cost of the die itself was three hundred dollars. Okay, um, so add the PCB that's super complex. It's like another I'm aware. You know, fifty to hundred dollars at the capacitors, the power components, add the cooler that's another got the forty eighty cooler is like two hundred freaking dollars. It's a forty ninety cooler. Well, if the if the forty eighty cost three hundred dollars to make, I don't think the forty seventy TI would have launched for eight hundred dollars. Even so, if they want to milk, there'd be no well, reason. Like, they already just know take the market. Well, because they already know that strategy isn't working. So I think they would have dropped the forty eighty already. They would have dropped they wouldn't have had to drop the price of the forty seventy TI because they would have sold the thing for like three hundred fifty bucks or something. If exactly if the forty eighty costs three hundred dollars to make, which it doesn't, two components in the forty eighty cost three hundred dollars to make and they didn't cite that. <laughs> By the way, this Motley Fool, which underlined the word fool article, also goes on to say that because of this, they can undercut AMD's offerings easily while completely ignoring the fact that AMD is using 6 nanometer for 40% of Navi 31. It, what a, and uh, I, I, and I, also, yeah, well, there's this a is, lot of other stuff I could bring up about it too, but no. And also ignoring the fact that they haven't done that yet and their product isn't selling. So something yeah. is wrong with your thesis. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there's, I, I consult for, uh, like a couple of hedge funds every now and then. And I, I talk to people in the more finance space all the time. Uh, and a lot of them, I actually think get sold short, um, for, you know, what they like a lot of people like to call them bean counters and act like they don't understand anything they're investing in and stuff. And, my understand the people I at least talk to, a lot of them are some of the smartest people I've ever met, and they don't know as much about the hardware as like, you know, a chip designer at AMD does, but they certainly know more than I think people give them credit. This article is an example of the stereotype of the completely inept investor who has no clue what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean I think there's a tendency where some people can get out of their depth when they're smart in one thing and then they assume that they're smart and everything <laughs> you know I, I just again i'm infuriated by like only the silicon cost only the ram cost and then completely ignoring that's not even half of it like mm -hmm. what a complete joke um let me see here too if i do seven yeah i don't know that that's just uh, that i mean that'd be like <laughs> saying a car costs as much as the wheels and engine and not putting any thought into anything else connecting all of that <laughs> god um all right let us then finally move on to the first story um all right so yeah i just wanted to talk about the rx 7900 xtx uh widely reported thermal issues i have a write-up for it um, over Moore's Laws, Dead's Christmas and New Year's Eve break, there were a few stories that unfortunately popped up and missed timely coverage. One such story that got a lot of discussion over the holidays was the widespread reporting that RX 7900 XTX reference cards were seeing bad thermal throttling after quickly hitting 110 degrees Celsius. From this writer's end, in late December, I confirmed with a couple of system integrator contacts, the, you know, these are people like origin pc or what you would have used to think of as alienware the alienware is basically just dealt at this point uh multiple people who are like doing pre-builds said that they had seen multiple returns from customers who had 7900 xtx reference cards in their system 
Now, it was a very small sample size that I put together, people, but I would estimate based on the small sample size that 10 to 30% of the day one batch of 7,900 XTX reference cards had this issue. And having said that, though, I also wouldn't assume this is an ongoing manufacturing issue that hasn't already been solved. So I was told that the, fr- the problem cards returned as well by the, to these system integrators frequently had their issues go away when the cards were oriented in 90 degree systems. Like they would test them in a desktop where the, you know, it was kind of more of like a display, a display looking EPIN build with the cards on its side, mm-hmm. or maybe like a low profile build that puts the card on its side. Like a lot of those had the issue go away, suggesting that there was a problem with the coolant not properly saturating the vapor chamber at certain angles in some cases. And so there probably wasn't enough coolant, which is what the issue seems to have been. Um, And I would also say that there seemed to be a gradient of issues, right? So that's something to remember. If the issue is the day one batches of reference 7900 XTX cards didn't have enough coolant in the vapor chamber, that means that, well, only 5 to 10% maybe have a noticeable, a highly noticeable coolant issue, meaning that, oh my God, within a minute of game and you hit 110C and it's throttling, one card apparently throttled all the way down to like 1800 megahertz within five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, Jeez. some of them were bad. That card would, you'd stick out. You'd say, well, there's an issue. <laughs> Keep in mind that if the issue is some improperly improper amount of coolant in the vapor chamber with a batch, that means like half of the batch might actually be boosting to normal amounts in well-cooled systems, though they could have been performing 5 to 10% better. So I just think that's worth pointing out if you have a, like one of the launch reference coolers. It may be running mostly well, but based on the size of that cooler and the TDP, 355 watts, not 400 watts, 2.5 slots. I, I know now we're just talking about four-slot Titans or something, but... That should be more than enough to not have this thing instantly getting to like above 105C. So I would recommend people consider RMAing their cards if it looks similar to the issue, just so it's fixed. And just to finish this, damn, that's most of it then. AMD's Scott Herkelman has acknowledged the issue and confirmed in a pretty clearly pre-staged interview with PC World uh, that they have vapor chamber coolant issues and that AMD will be honoring all warranties. Uh, so yeah, this seems to have been a temporary issue, an issue that's already been handled, but I will say it does annoy me that it may be like a third of the cards, even if some of them don't have big issues. And I do worry that like a lot of there's thousands of people out there that might've had this issue that will never really know and never quite get the performance, uh, they should have. Also, I wish Gordon would have asked Scott Herkelman about RDNA three efficiency claims, but it would <laughs> turn into another conversation. What were you going to say, Dan? No, uh, so from to some extent, so my understanding is that they're just going to handle this entire issue with RMAs, correct? Which they're trying not to do an official recall, from what I'm seeing. Hopefully, I haven't missed something. Part of part of that bothers me because if they are saying it's a bad batch of GPUs, but because they didn't put enough coolant in the vapor chamber, you think that they're conceivably should be able to know like which serial number parts are defective and they should be able to do a recall. I mean, if that's the extent of the issue, I kind of just wish they would have done a recall. So people know 
which cards this. are screwed or not. I want to make sure that we're not stupid, right? For what? I, I just want to make sure they haven't said, if you have a certain serial number, you know, you can return it. Oh, no, I think they are. I think okay. they might know the serial numbers. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's could have been a lot worse i mean this isn't good <laughs> like no. there's been a, the fact that both flagships have had their thing although i think the 4090 might have been a uh thing that the 4090 uh melting issues i think might have been an issue uh thing that the internet made a bigger deal than it was this is a, also a pretty uh, i think a probably far bigger deal considering that as many as 20 to 30% of people that bought this day one might be have a worse card. It's just not as um, explosive of an issue as the 4090. Just way, 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 way bigger. Yeah. Or just affects more, I should say. So the interesting thing, though, is when I read about this, looking at computerbase.de, they are saying that some of the delivered cards uh, based on serial number are already being pulled off of store shelves in some locations as hmm. well. It still isn't entirely clear to me, though, if AMD's really gone out and say, literally, these here. Like, to be honest, if they know exactly which ones, there should be a downloadable thing that scans your card and says, send it back. I agree. <laughs> and I, that's what I would leave it at. I wouldn't say it's as bad as, you know, yeah, it doesn't seem to be as bad as, like, they're just saying, if you have an issue, send it in. Uh, but it doesn't seem like they're doing what they could do, which is letting you download a very simple program that scans the serial number and says, oh, it's it's this. It's your, yeah. yours one of them. So I, I guess I'll split the difference. It's not the worst, but I do agree. And I had to make sure I looked around and like made sure that they, they were aware of like which ones and they're doing something about it. But I think they could be doing more. I think you're actually not entirely wrong to say that, Dan. Okay. And, you know, the, the other thing I would just say, though, is if you're getting a 7900 XTX, I don't know. Until this issue is clearly resolved, I feel like I would not want to get the reference model. Um, I, I think I'd rather get an AIB. I would, too. And I think you, it's already obvious reasons for that, because as far as we can tell, if you have three eight pins, you can make it perform like a 4090, <laughs> apparently. Um, but, you know, I would say give it a month. Unless uh, I would say I wouldn't worry about it too much more right now. And a month from now, I would assume they've already pulled all of them. Yeah, that that's my tepid recommendation. But there's no way around it. This feels kind of similar, though, even though it's up for debate if that was overblown or not. But it does feel similar to the 16 pin thing, though, from NVIDIA and that it's like there was like keep in mind that whole saga of the 16 pin thing went on for like a month or two. This card has. I think as of this recording, literally been out one month and it just feels like it's one of those things where if you just let people download a thing and scan it, no one would hesitate to buy a card because they could get it returned and sent back immediately. But without that, it's kind of similar to the 16 pin thing where there's like these weeks of like, well, should I wait a little longer or should I buy it now? Yeah, that's what I would say. Because I think the the 4090 debacle was obviously a more catastrophic issue if it happened to you but it seems like it's a lot less prevalent than the well almost certainly a lot less prevalent than this and it's mm -hmm. hard to say what the 
issue with the 4090 even was. It seems like it honestly is a partial mix of bad um, intuitive uh, design for their uh, pin for the 16 pin design and a little bit of user error plus maybe a little bit of quality issues. Um, And this it's just a clear quality issue that affects one seemingly as we can as far as we can tell right now one batch of 7900 xdx or, or one or two or i yeah. don't know how many but it, and and that's the other thing we don't know is maybe the system integrators i talked to they just got a disproportionate amount yeah you know true. it seems like there's at least a thousand or so of these that have an issue but again that's the one thing that annoys me too imd just put out a thing that's like here's the list of serial numbers or here's a program you can download and the fact that they haven't done that's really annoying yeah um but i wouldn't say this is going to be this is probably for better or worse going to be one of those things that i'd say in a month it's really not a thing worth talking about anymore like it's one of those blips you know yeah i guess the only other thing i would say is i don't know how this got through quality control though like unless we find out it was just like 100 cards and like in like one read, like one part of like America, like went to a bunch of like, I, but it doesn't seem like it. it seems like some testing houses in Germany ran across it too. I, I would be very surprised if it was a, a super small batch of cards. It seems like it's like, you mean that small? Yeah. It seems like it's a somewht common issue uh, with the 7,900 XTX as it stands right now. So I have a contact of mine who had an, a couple contacts of mine that ran into the issue. So yeah, I don't, again, it's like, I just, I don't know for sure. I don't think it's like half of them, but it could be up to 30% of the day one shipment, I would say. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just 5%, but it, it's not it's not 100, I, probably. Yeah, I know. Just to compare to the 4090, though, do you, do you know anybody that you talked to that had a 4090 melt on them? <laughs> Let me actually think for a second, because, you know, <laughs> like of my contacts, because there's a lot of enthusiasts I know. Like, surprise, a lot of my sources, guys, are enthusiasts who have high-end stuff. Um, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Not a single one. So there you go, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let us move on to better news, I guess, arguably, depending on how you look at this story. It's fine uh, wine time. It's fine, fine wine, wine time, guys. With story number two. AMD drastically improves RDNA 3 power consumption in multiple scenarios already with a driver update. Quoting from video cards, energy efficiency of the RX 7900 XT and 7900XTX were disappointing from the start. Uh, notes the reviewer from Computerbase. So he's kind of transcribing from a German website. But AMD is tirelessly working to address those issues as soon as possible. Last month, AMD released a driver that implemented power optimizations for certain workloads with their RDNA 3 products. Although it wasn't mentioned, they also seem to have improved power consumption in games in specific scenarios. A comprehensive test by Computerbase showed that the December GPU driver increased energy efficiency for the 7900 cards in video playback and well in idle and well, I think, capped gaming, uh, frame rate gaming. The video playback on YouTube showed 71 watts of consumption on the 7900 XT and 81 watts with the 7900 XTX before the driver was released. Once the driver came out, they found that instead of 71 watts, the 7900 XT was now at 46 watts. Instead of 81 watts with the XTX, it was now 54 watts. Although that is a good improvement, it was still nowhere near as good as the last-gen 6900 XT, which only required 
34 watts or the 4080, which only needed 30 watts. So more improvements needed there. The video playback power optimizations were mentioned by the driver, but they did not say anything about gaming power efficiency being better, although ComputerBase discovered substantially less power usage in many scenarios, with the 7900 XTX seeing a massive 57% energy efficiency improvement, and the 7900, 34%. The consumption in VSync gaming decreased by 57 watts and up to 90 watts. So, and if I look at some of these charts here, let me see, like they capped Doom Eternal in 1440p to 144 hertz, I believe. And we're looking at the 7900 XTX now consuming the same energy basically as a 4070 Ti. Uh, it still consumed more than the 4090 and 4080, but it was no longer, you know, just dr <laughs> chugging 250 watts with, a capped frame rate anymore. <laughs> it was kind of mimicking Lovelace's efficiency while not going all out. So and I don't know. Also, what, uh, big improvement to the idle, which I think is a, a bigger issue than a lot of people. I mean, it, it's been talked about a lot, but it's that I think that's arguably a bigger issue because you know most of your PC is spent not doing that intensive work, and if it's just using eighty watts all the time, <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> Although 40, I don't think is great either, but it's better than 80. Yeah. No, I mean, like they point out, the 4080 uh, idles at 30 watts. Although I will say, I think ideally you'd want to see through AMD's fine wine updates to RDNA 3, them, well, at a minimum, get to the efficiency claims they had, but yeah. all, you know, which was supposed to be 54% more efficient than RDNA 2. But also you'd hope that in gaming, they're at least very close to like a 4080 in gaming. I don't think they'll ever really beat it in idle though, because you guys got to just under, it's a monolithic four nanometer chip. It's going to have advantages. Chiplets let you scale bigger. They let you bin multiple chiplets and get better yields because the chiplets were from smaller dies. But Good yields on a four nanometer node, or I know it's five nanometer family still, whatever, guys. Um, NVIDIA's node, because it's monolithic, because it doesn't need to communicate between multiple chiplets, it's always going to probably have an idle efficiency advantage here. Mm -hmm. um, or it, it doesn't have to, but it's conceivable. But that's something that Lovelace will always accept, though, more easily excel at. Um, but yeah, so I'd say they still have a lot more. They have more work to do, <laughs> you know, uh, but this is promising. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> of course, this is better than what it was before, because I don't know. I, I think it's a little funny that the going into this generation, it seemed like Lovelace would be the power hog. And it's no, they just overclocked the 4090 way too much or they just gave the 4090 way too much power. and actually when it's even on paper too like same with the 30 the 4080 the 4080 practically can't even hit 320 watts like they yeah. should have just called it a 300 watt card at most yeah they and in most applications it seems like the 4090 just doesn't even really hit come close to hitting that uh no it's even uh, overclocked it's hard for me to get it over 450 yeah and then the 7900 uh, the rdna3 comes out they make these big claims about efficiency and it's like i don't know it's not like this is the worst thing in the world as it as it goes 
with a gaming performance, but the 4090 is definitely more efficient than both of the the 7900 than uh the 7900 and the 7900 XTX uh at the same frame rates and I don't know if you're it's completely uninhibited I guess it uses a little bit more energy than the 7900 XTX but it's also I substantially more powerful of a card so yeah and I'm just kind of looking at some of these charts more closely here and better understanding them launch driver yeah so it still hasn't improved power with an uncapped frame rate (laughs) (laughs) unsurprisingly um and i don't think they really can i mean look i think you look at it it says it's using 354 watts and like we've talked about the 4090 doesn't even usually get to 450 it's using 356 watts Mm -hmm. the way amd fixes their efficiency claims is if they can hopefully fix the utilization of their compute units which just seem permanently underutilized compared to the excellent performing uh memory controller in rdna3 cards right now like if they boost performance 20 percent, their efficiency claims not a lie anymore but that's kind of what they got to do or they've got to show me navi 32 hitting that 54 percent efficiency claim um yeah. but otherwise they're still like half of what they said it would be but this shows that that I, the thing is, if it was like a 10% improvement in idle or capped frame rate performance uh, efficiency, I would say whatever. But I mean, they did get it with a capped frame rate to like match Lovelace efficiency, just like that with a driver update. So to me, that shows already evidence that they really didn't have the drivers done. I mean, clearly they didn't. Yeah, clearly. Will they be able to add 20%, 15%, 10% performance relative to Lovelace? We'll see. But they've done it before. This right here. They've done it know. before with drivers. So who knows? I mean, I just think it's important to remember, which is why I was using the fine wine thing facetiously. Like, this isn't fine wine. This is just, it's becoming the product it should have been when it came out. Well, absolutely right. Because from the people I've talked to at AMD, like whether they're the ones working on the drivers or they're kind of talking to people they know who are working on the drivers. Um, they they all tell me that uh they think they can really claw back a lot of performance relative to Lovelace. Like truly, they really do. I understand how much it sounds like hopium, but they're like, and I'm and again, I've said this a million times. I'm surprised they say that because a lot of times these people are like, it is what it is. They're not saying that. They're like, no, we really think we can. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to GCN, where AMD kind of rushed out that which was again the 7000 series again, which is funny to me. Uh, they rushed out the 7970 in December when it really probably wasn't completely done. Um, and then they radically increased its performance relative to Kepler over the years by like 30% actually. Oh, yeah. Um, the difference though is back then they didn't claim the 7970 was any stronger than it actually was at launch. Exactly. Right? And so they can call the 7970 or Vega to a much lesser extent fine wine because it aged relative to the competition better than expected but it also launched what they said at the performance they said it would <laughs> this isn't this isn't fine wine if they launch something that isn't the performance they said it would be <laughs> yeah the, and then it becomes that performance i don't know what you call that right a but, beta test i don't know yeah like that's not fine wine it that's unfine wine that they gave you the wrong bottle at launch i don't know what else this ridiculous analogy to go with here (laughs) 
We accidentally gave you uh, the wine before it had finished fermenting. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's not <laughs> fine wine. That's they gave you a batch that hadn't finished fermenting accidentally yeah. and then claimed, well, it's wine. You want to let it age. It's like, yeah, but this isn't even done. <laughs> That's a difference compared to previous gens, people. This piece of content is brought to you by Silver Knight PCs. Silver Knight PCs is a disabled, veteran-owned GPU and CPU retailer, PC repair shop, and boutique PC builder that is located in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but they ship globally, so if you're in the area, drop by their location to pick up reasonably priced components to upgrade your PC and know that all of these components come with up to a three-year warranty, and even refurbished products have warranties on them, and you can trade in your own parts for refurbishment as well, or contact them online and ask them about anything else you want them to do for you, including building a custom PC designed just for you. They're very easy to talk to. The owner of the company even sat down with me for a broken silicon last year and had a candid conversation about GPU shortages during the GPU shortages. They really are on the side of the consumer and they really do put a lot of effort into making everything they sell the best it can be for their buyers. And I know this from firsthand experience. I got my RTX 4090 Supreme Liquid, the one that I am using to render this video in my PC here. And before sending it, they upgraded the thermal paste and thermal pads. And well, you can watch the process online. It's actually really cool. And the thing, well, I can tell you that it just doesn't get hot no matter how much power I let the dang thing use. And I can let it use a lot of power. So whether you're in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area and you want to pop in to buy a graphics card or you want to custom order something from them online, click the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 6% off all orders. Using this offer code BROKENSILICON helps me a lot and it helps them. And I am genuinely happy to finally get their sponsorship as they really are a business that I can stand by as high quality and of genuine reliability. Go to Silver Knight PCs and use offer code broken silicon today um brett summers writes in and he says tnd why do people constantly make excuses for amd whenever they don't meet expectations we always hear oh but wait for x or yeah but it's because it was the first design like this well i have a soft spot for amd personally and ideally i do want them to succeed i still think we need to hold them accountable when they fall short or seemingly don't innovate. They are no longer a super small company with no resources fighting uh, two massive giants. They are well-funded, well-oiled machine and fit with fantastic leadership and often innovate hardware design. So when they screw up, I don't think they deserve any apologies. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's directed at us or not. It might not be. So maybe I should just assume it's not, but I don't think we gave AMD any passes with RDNA 3. No, I mean, w once it was clear that they had fallen short of what they said they would, I, I think I was pretty negative about them. I mean, to a, I, a certain extent, I think me and you still kind of are like annoyed with them. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard for us to lose that. I mean, I, I, to an extent, I don't even know why the 7900 XT exists as it does. It's, but I, I mean, I think the reason AMD, to, to his question, I think the reason AMD gets a pass is because or to some people gets a pass is they were the underdog for like a decade and now they're kind seemingly not anymore but i do think there's been a I, I do think there's been a wave of more heavy criticism for amd than you used to get um because i, I think they've established themselves as the as one of the the top 
dogs in the industry at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know how, what to say to him saying, why do people make excuses? Why do they say, oh, but wait for this? I don't think I, we have a, just because I'm saying that, and I'm begrudgingly, I say begrudgingly because I know how dumb it sounds. I'm forced to report what I believe is the truth. The truth is, I think they're going to improve its performance. I'm not telling you to wait for it. And that's why I always end that, or usually end that by saying, and remember, don't buy it hoping it gets better. I say that because I want to make it clear. I'm not telling you wait for X, don't, or wait for RDNA 4, wait for RDNA 3 plus. I'm just saying, I think RDNA 4 is going to be a huge performance increase, but that doesn't mean you should wait for it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. wait for it because this didn't live up to your expectations. But it is the truth that I think it will be very good. Yeah, and I think at one point, uh, AMD was more, they sold better value products, but there was usually some sacrifices or you would be making with them, and that's becoming less of the case over time, and now they're kind of rely, try, almost trying to have two reputations at this point where they're high-end, but also some of their features are still a little short compared to uh, like NVIDIA especially. So mm-hmm. I, I think they're more criticizable with the position they're in right now than they used to be. Uh, Just because I was like, yeah, our products have some weird kinks to them, but I don't know. You're also getting a tier better performance than the other, uh, than the other people that are are selling uh, graphics cards. Don't call their kinks weird, Dan. We don't kink shame here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're normal kinks. Um, But uh, no, I mean, and you know, I I would, the video I decided to put out last week, um, because I didn't want to do a video just about like the i9 13900KS or Ryzen non-X when I knew we would already talk about it here. I didn't really have hot takes, so there's no need to do a video. I decided to focus on kind of breaking down the nodes used for, you know, Navi 31 and say, you know what, even if it doesn't improve, is this a failure? Is this still within like the decently wide range of outcomes you'd expect based on the amount of silicon they used and the type of the nodes for the silicon they use. And the conclusion I came to is this isn't a failure at all, though. The pr- it's not what AMD promised. That's the problem, everybody. Yeah, but because- I don't think we need to make an excuse for it because it does deliver a graphics card that costs about the same to make as a 4080. Well, costing less to make than a 4080. It's not a failure in design at all. It's just clearly not what they intended it to be. <laughs> It's not a, yeah, it, it, the, the 7900 XTX specifically, uh, I don't think is a bad card. It's just they advertised it terribly <laughs> or they marketed it terribly at the end of the day because it fell short of what they said it was by like 20%, 30%. They intended something that was about 4090 performance at a little less than 4090 power consumption, but had way worse ray tracing, but cost a lot less to make. Mm-hmm. That is what they intended to sell you. What they sold you right now, what they're selling you is something that fell short of that. It's closer to 4080 performance with worse ray tracing, but it costs less to make than the 4080. So it's still not a failure, but no, they they wanted it to be much better. They, they There's a reason they designed it to have more infinity cash than it did. They're not using it and so on and so forth, you know? Yeah. Um, 
All right, let's move on to this reader mail. Karen Nosugata writes in and he says, Hi, Tom. Well, RDNA 3 hasn't been a disaster. It has been something of a missed opportunity, in my opinion, given all of the 4070 Ti's and 4080's sitting on store shelves. Zen 4 didn't launch to a great reception, but it does seem like AMD have turned things around with lower prices and other minor adjustments since its launch. It's early days for RDNA 3, but are you seeing any signs of what AMD might do to turn it around just like they did with Zen 4. Um, do I see any public signs? Uh, I don't know. Some people like pointed to the Scott Herkelman interview like it was, but I, I don't see that as a big thing. The, the, uh, go on. The, the Scott Herkelman interview, I think he did. I, I think from a marketing speak perspective, he uh, got the closest you can say to we really botched the marketing of this launch and he uh, to be fair i he did basically apologize and said they never do that again i'm not I, i'm not he hasn't gotten c- like completely back into the good graces of the community i don't think he should i mean i don't think he should be in the back in the good graces of the community not yet at least yeah like they need now they need to prove with their next launch that they're not going to pull that shit again um to be fair if i look at the 7600 mxt which we'll get to later mm-hmm. uh the slides i saw did not look as bullshitty as before so already i think you can see they may have toned down and again i i, I you know people will say amd embellished but i honestly think amd guessed the performance they thought they were going to hit before the drivers were done and didn't manage to with navi 31 honest yeah. to god you know but clearly they're being more conservative we think but I can't actually say they're provably more conservative with Navi 33 until we see the reviews for it anyways. But it seems like yeah. already they might be getting better about that. Go on. Well, because if they tried to do that again, I, I think oh. they would Man. completely fall out of the good graces of the uh, gaming community forever. Like you you do see some people like online talk about how all of the companies BS, but it is... I, it, it is uh, definitely more pointed at NVIDIA uh, generally than at AMD up until the uh, RDNA 3 reveal where everyone was like, this seems like, I mean, up until the uh, RDNA 3 launch where they're like, oh, so they just completely lied about everything. That was Well, I mean, that yeah, that always needs to be not to make apologies or do any whataboutisms here, but I mean, NVIDIA said the 4070 Ti was triple the 3090 Ti performance, and we're about to get to it in the next story. Not exactly. Uh, <laughs> but so, you know, I, I I think sometimes people lose perspective on, you know, one mishap, one embellishment of information that AMD's done and try to compare that to like NVIDIA literally being off by factor of three. NVIDIA literally just... Pre- yeah, NVIDIA literally just pretending all of their cards that they've released so far are somewhere between two and three times stronger than they say they are in their marketing material. They they said the they said Ampere doubled Turing performance. The 3080 didn't even double the 2080. <laughs> and it had <laughs> yeah. the 102 die compared to the 104. That's how much NVIDIA lies. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. So I again it sounds like what aboutism. It's like it's just but you can't lose perspective. I will say this though, Dan, I do see in the comments on YouTube, a lot of people saying, well, we know AMD always lies now. And I'm like, who's we, and why do we know this? They did once and they've seemingly, they're going to correct it. But I, and I bring this up only to say that I, AMD really has damaged their perception though. 
Well, and I think you always need to be skeptical of claims you see from the person, from the people that are advertising a product to you always, no, no matter what, even if AMD has always been, well, has generally speaking been the most honest, you need to understand that they're marketing something to you. So you should be skeptical of something when skepticism is warranted. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. Uh, I, I think generally speaking, if we're looking at this, we have one kind of one pretty bad marketing launch um, a, where they completely failed to show what their product actually was. But I, I think you to compare it to NVIDIA, you're also with them just have a kind of BS filter at this point to like, I think the claims That's don't the even thing. NVIDIA's bullshit is so consistent that we're used to calibrating it in our heads and knowing what they're really saying. Yeah, it's like the, the the claims that they've been making about Lovelace and their marketing have been so outlandish. We it, it almost makes it less damaging because it's just like, oh, they're just they're just bold boldface lying to us. Okay, well, that's what David said in the recent Broken Silicon. He was on. It's like you got to do one or the other. You've always got to be crazy. Or you've got to be honest, and when you're a company like AMD just jumps back and forth, it makes it feel like they're more dishonest, even if you could argue they're not. Yeah. Um, but we we kind of really went on a tangent here with Kerry knows who got his problem. I think we've established that, well, there are some signs publicly that they are changing some things a little. No, publicly, I don't see anything indicating yeah. they're ready to do big things with RDNA 3. What I will say is behind the scenes, I have had it suggested to me that as it stands, AMD sees no point to make any giant announcements or decisions right now. You know, what the Chinese New Year's coming up, that's when everything shuts down for a couple weeks of manufacturing anyways. You need at least a month. It's been out a month now, guys. At least a month or two of sales before you decide, you know, what you should do, if you should respond. What I think it what's been suggested to me is AMD is still waiting and seeing a bit, but probably in February, they're going to start deciding how they're going to tackle the reboot of RDNA 3 because they know they botched the launch. And depending on how bad sales are, both for them and Lovelace, actually, they will decide, okay, this is actually what people are willing to pay. Okay, this is when FSR 3 will be ready. Okay, this is when the compute unit issue will be fixed mm-hmm. in drivers. Once we know all of those things, we will decide if we want to do price cuts on this and how aggressively we want to price the rest of our products. But I guess what I'm saying is, although there's no signs yet publicly, really, in my opinion of this, from what I'm hearing, they might actually get pretty aggressive with pricing and do some radical things because they realize they may be blowing one of their biggest opportunities ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a huge opportunity for them because of what their competition is up to this year, which brings us to story number three, RTX 4070 Ti reviewed and launched. And I did a write-up for this. Here's what I think. Well, the RTX 4070 Ti is out. And who gives a fuck? Certainly not gamers, as the RTX 4070 Ti seemingly sold and continues to sell worse than the 4080, relatively speaking. Indeed, as of the 15th of January, Moore's Law is Dead can report from multiple retailers that they have never seen a card sell this bad. And if I pull up a quote here that I actually saved for this episode, I have one of my contacts saying, and I quote, 
I've never seen a wall filled with just one model of one GPU. One wall aisle at our location is seriously just one version of the RTX 4070 Ti. As of the 15th, the 4070 Ti just continues to sell absolutely horribly. Meanwhile, the 4080 is also selling badly, and the 4090 is starting to slow down in sales across multiple locations, their locations being micro centers. And I've talked to people at Best Buy. I've gotten some feedback from a couple retailers in the UK and a, a couple other countries in Europe. And yeah, from what I'm hearing, the 4070 Ti, relatively speaking, is selling as bad or worse than the 4080. The 4080 sales remain terrible, and the 4090 sales are slowing down pretty quickly. Uh, so yeah, the 4070 Ti is selling as bad as the rest of the Lovelace lineup, if not the worst of the Lovelace lineup. And it's really no surprise, continuing this. In terms of performance, it's in between a 3090 and 3090 Ti, and that places it 5 to 15% behind the 7900 XT and raster. Well, the 7900 XT comes with 67% more RAM, which actually does matter for this tier of card because 12 gigabytes can bottleneck 4K performance. Uh, and again, that's 15% less money for almost half the RAM and that much less performance. And the sad thing is, even with ray tracing enabled, Hardware Unboxed found the 4070 Ti to trade blows with the 7900 XT. And then the pricing. We said 15% cheaper, but in reality, this is basically a $900 card, at least it was at launch on average, with only 5 to 15% of the day one volume being remotely close to MSRP, as Moore's Law has said, we uh, leaked a week ago. And that means that fake MSRPs are back. NVIDIA is putting no controls in place for AIB pricing. They actually did have some controls in place with the 4080, what they could charge for it. Um, and the funny thing is, though, after launch, the card is selling so badly, you actually still can't find it for MSRP. Just know that that means as long as the 4070 Ti is at MSRP, they probably haven't sold 10% of the cards they have to sell. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. It's basically a more efficient 3090 12 gigabyte for the price of a used 3090 24 gigabyte. And because of that, it is selling terribly. All right, Dan, what do you think of that 4070 Ti, <laughs> 4080 12 gigabyte? I mean, not that much. It's just, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily even the worst card of this lineup so far. I, I think it's, a, a, a battle for for a last place between the 4080 and 4070 Ti when it comes to Nvidia's lineup, but I don't know. It's just I, I think this is where people are finally just tired of it because this is the first card that is in like the reasonable range for what graphics cards usually cost, and no <laughs> one's buying it. Even though, I, once again, I think the 4080 for its price is arguably worse still. Um, the only real case I could think of for getting a 4070 Ti is it might be better than the 7900 XT if you have, I mean, yeah, XT, if you're gaming in 1440p for the price. But like the 7900 XTX is a better value card and you get a decently better performance. So it's just another one of those cards where Everything for now from the 4070 to the 4080, I think, just pushes you to getting a 7900 XTX instead of one of the other cards that are out. Or getting, as you said, a used last-gen card. Like, 
finally capitulating and saying, fuck it. I guess I'm getting a 3080 or a used 3090 Ti or something because I get about the same performance. Sure, it's not as power efficient, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it's probably going to be cheaper soon. Yeah. And here's the, I've thought about this. I think, uh, let me see. Actually, let me throw in this reader mail here just before I address this. Sarcaster writes in, he says, Tom and Dan, I've seen a few comments about the 4070 Ti being at or around 3080 Ti or above levels, and therefore a 3080 Ti was $1,200, and so it's okay that the 4070 Ti is $800 because it's $400 cheaper than what the 3080 Ti was. Then from this pre-launch article from Forbes by Anthony Leather, and I know Forbes isn't exactly at the cusp of computer reporting, but still, he says... The RTX 4080 is readily available for $700. So given the above benchmark suggesting the 4070 Ti is 20 to 30% faster, and then if you factor in ray tracing and DLSS, a launch price of $800 to even $1,000 seems logical. Mm. I certainly hope this mentality does not pervade in consumers as it has in the boardrooms of NVIDIA and AMD. If we expect Intel to save us from this hellscape, good lord. Damn, you're the butt. You need to drive us in a bus to the bunker. Just please avoid Manhattan on the way. Unlike when you drove last I'm holiday, drive season. through Manhattan three times. This is quite a deep cut of a joke, Sarcaster, that you really do not let go of. But going to what you said, uh, when we, we look at sales, I don't think anyone is buying this. And yeah, I, I, I think there's no way around the fact that a significant amount of reviewers and tech tubers came off as crazy out of touch over the past month when they gave okay reviews for the 4080. And even some of them said, well, they dropped the price by $100 and changed the name. So the $800 104 die laden 4070 Ti is okay. I Here's where I jump in. I actually think it's worse value than the 4080. And I'm ready to defend... This. I, I think I'll get my spear and defend my post. I I'm not going to defend that the 4070 Ti is a better car than the 4080. I think it's a, a fight to the death for which card is shittier. I um, will fight to the death over that because the more I think about it, the more I go, I tested the 4080. It didn't feel like a 3090 at all. It felt it, I bent. I got it like 30 to 40 percent better than a 3090, meaning I was at the upper end of the benchmarks, like close to hard, I think hardware and box got as well, like at least 20 percent better than a 3090 Ti with much better ray tracing. So think about it. I know it's overpriced. I know it sucks. Has enough RAM. It is stronger than last gen, at least. And you are spending over a grand for performance you couldn't get earlier. Well, not earlier this year, now in 2023, that you couldn't get a year ago. You couldn't get this performance a year ago. Way better at ray tracing, way too much money. The 4070 Ti, nothing. And it's in the same price performance linear line. So I don't see how, I think that makes it worse because when you go higher up in the stack, at least you're getting something you couldn't get a year ago. And the fact that it's priced in line with a 4080 and it's not new performance, I think makes it the dumber product. And 12 gigabytes is enough. It's actually a huge issue, it turns out, for this card in several games. Well, that's why I think I, I I just don't think there's any scenario where it makes sense to buy a forty a forty eighty really. I think the forty seventy Ti, if you're just gaming in fourteen forty p and you can't spend two hundred more dollars, despite the fact and you insist on not spending two hundred more dollars, <laughs> I think it's a RAM. better option than the seventy nine hundred XT uh, at fourteen forty p. I mean, if it's at four k, uh, probably the seventy nine hundred XT still. 
mm-hmm. but that's really the only scenario I can see it used very useful for. I mean, I, I like uh, Sarcastro's bringing up that Forbes article, comparing it to the 3080 Ti. Or, uh, we've talked about that at nauseum, like the 3080 to 3090, that entire suite of cards I don't think really offers you functionally any better performance. The 3090 Ti, they clocked it enough where it's actually a little bit differentiated from the 3090. But like that mm-hmm. entire tier of performance is all more or less the same. And the 4070 Ti slots pretty well into that. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, well, I don't know. I guess you could compare it to the 3090 and say price performance got twice as good. Or you could compare it to the 3080 and say price performance got 6% better over two years. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's just, it's such a bad card. And I think the reason it's selling, which my understanding is they supplied, here's how I'd put it. They supplied more 4070 Ti's at launch than they did at the 4080 launch. In some locations, a lot more. But the 4080 has been out for two months. So, big surprise. Like, basically, as many 4080's have been supplied up until about now, that many 4070 Ti's, but at day one. Like, meaning, it's more than before, but it's not actually a big launch. And it's selling even worse percentage-wise. This is kind of arguably the worst launch. And I think we're going to see this again. And I think the next inept thing NVIDIA could do, or calculated, some would argue, is price the 4070 at like 700, which I think me and you both know they might. <laughs> that sounds about right to me. You know, especially if they give it 12 gigabytes, they'll be like, oh, still is 12 gigabytes. It's $100 less. It's 10% worse. Like, yeah, I can see it. But I think, again, people are going to reject that product. No one wants a $700 70 class. No one's paying $700 for that. They're just not paying that much, NVIDIA. And I think it's going to become more pronounced if they keep pricing things in this linear price performance line. It's going to keep getting worse because people are becoming more discerning the lower you get in price. The cheaper you get, the more the people buying cheaper products put more thought into saving money. And so it needs to be $600 for the 4070 at most, I think, for it to sell even remotely well. Well, and the 4070 Ti, I I think the reason its launch is so disastrous compared to like even the 4080 or in 7900 XT, which doesn't seem to be selling very well either. um, Mm. It's better, but it's not. AMD certainly thought it was well. You can buy one below MSRP right now, so yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, (laughs) the 4070 Ti I think stands out as being so disastrous because I think eight hundred dollars is the price where like it, it it's still above what stuff used to cost, but it's still within that range that like people would typically expect to spend on the on a graphics card for over the past like seven Mm -hmm. or so years. And so like I could see you making the jump if you were the person that like bought a seven nine seventy or six ninety day one going up to being a person that bought a Titan to growing up to a person that's buying now a forty ninety or something. I don't mm-hmm. see the person that started out buying ten years ago like me is <laughs> like mm-hmm. buying like a five sixty t i day one to being the person that goes up to buying a 4070 ti 10 years later because if you're that type of person who's getting between like the those mid-range low-end mid-range to low high-end cards you're not going to just be like oh well now i'm just going to spend 
$800 for something that's not really better than what I could get a year ago because I, I don't know what person that really is to be 100% honest. Like, right. You're saying you can see the person, especially the person who might have bought like a 7976 gigabyte toxic for 600. And then they said, oh, I can justify getting a, you know, 1080 Ti for 800. And then I can justify, yeah. you know, or maybe like it's an, an aftermarket 1080 Ti. And they're like, I want the best one for 800. And they go, oh, I can kind of justify a 4090. This is so absurd. It's double the price. Who's the person that goes from buying a $250, 560 Ti to an $800, 40 Yeah, or, or even spending $400 on like mid-range to high-end graphics cards day one. I think most of those people are just going to be like, I guess I'm just buying mid-range cards when they become affordable now because this isn't worth making that double what I used to spend jump. Because $800, I think, is just the cap that most people would expect to spend on a card. And if you're willing to spend more than $800 on a card, well, I don't know what the limit is. I, I think there is a limit for everyone, but I don't know what the limit is if you're willing to spend more than like if you're willing to spend like a thousand plus dollars on a card, it's just like, well, you have enough disposable income where you could probably spend fifteen two hundred thousand. I mean, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars on a card. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yeah, and that's why again, if AMD, like I said earlier, I've alluded to, decides to reboot its lineup and get aggressive, I think they have a huge opening here because Nvidia is not. Uh, you know, the the old adage everyone would go, well, it doesn't matter. Nvidia will do whatever they want, and people will buy it anyways. They're not. They're mm -hmm. not buying at AMD. You are deciding to not take market share then. Like, yeah. it's dumb. But before we get into stuff AMD could launch, let's get into one more NVIDIA-focused story here with story number four. NVIDIA Lovelace laptop pricing and segmentation revealed. Now, me and you already touched on it in the recent Die Shrink. If you're a patron, we got over an hour of us talking about the mobile releases announced at CES subscribe to the patreon for like two dollars a month you'll get that or i already discussed it in depth with jared but it is a news episode it does fall into the cycle i didn't want to get an in-depth response from you in the main broken silicon for at least a bit here for completionism's sake so here we go nvidia's lovelace laptop generation has been revealed and you know what we've already discussed it with jared and on a recent dishing but for completionism's sake compared to their predecessors here's what the lineup looks like the rtx 4050 laptop has 20% as wait is this has a the exact same CUDA cores as the 3050 laptop with a 25% reduction in bus width. The 4060 has actually 20% less CUDA cores than the 3060 laptop and a 33.3% reduction in bus. The 4070 has 10% less CUDA cores than the 3070 laptop. And again, a third smaller bus, the 4080 has a 21% CUDA core count increase over the laptop 3080 and a 25% reduction in bus. And the 4090 is a 31% CUDA core count increase and the same bus width. Oh, and I, I said it wrong. The 4070 uh, laptop has half the bus width of the 3070 laptop. Sorry, not a third less. Um, so it doesn't matter how you dice it, right? Like the 4050 is like the 3050 specs, but a 96-bit bus, the 4060, and both of those are on the 107 die. The 4060 has actually quite a lot less CUDA cores than the 3060 in a smaller bus. The 4070 
it has only 10% less CUDA cores, but the bus is half as much to the point that I'm not sure if the 4070 laptop will really be much better than the 3070 laptop if they're both running at like 150 watts. Maybe at 60 watts it will, but you know. NVIDIA announced a Lovelace laptop lineup that seems for most of the tiers to only be increasing performance by like 10 to 30% while costing more. And it's just a joke. And if anyone's doubting how much these things will cost, I mean, NVIDIA literally announced that 40, 50 laptops start at $1,000, which is a cut down 107 die. The 30, 60 laptops a couple of years ago started at $1,000 with the full 106 die. So there you go. Probably worse performance at the same starting price. And a lot of articles have been circulating online you know, about the prices of these 4090 laptops being around $4,000. I can say that today, before we started recording, Dan, I had some retailers send me prices of their laptops. And I don't know what to tell you guys, every 4090 laptop I saw was $4,000 to $5,000. Not a so, And multiple, 20, uh, multiple 4060 laptops start at like $2,500, which again is a 128-bit 107 die in a $2,500 laptop. That I'm not even sure is better than the 3060 by more than 10 to 20%, depending on the TDP limit. So what do you think of the Lovelace laptops, Dan? I don't know. It's kind of like they're just doing what they've done with the desktop cards, but worse. You know, I, I, I mean, they're, they're, for pricing, they're just moving their cards down. They're, for a $1,000 laptop, they're, it's now getting a 50 class instead of a 60 class upon release. It's sucks. And looking at these specs, I'm I'm not confident anything below the 4080 is going to really even be stronger than what it's uh replacing. Like, like I wouldn't bet that it won't be. I would assume they wouldn't be dumb enough to actually launch a 4070 weaker than the 3070 laptop, but I I, I don't think it's going to be more than 10 to 20% better. Yeah, cuz there's a typo here. What was the 4050 uh core count again? Uh, I think it's the same as the 3050. I think it's 2560. The 4050, 4060, and 4070, they're all more or less trading. They're, you're either getting a reduction of both CUDA cores and bus width across the board. So, or, yeah, you're getting across the board a reduction in bus width and for two of them, a decrease in CUDA cores. And I think it's relevant to bring up that uh, the core performance really isn't that... I mean, the the CUDA core per CUDA core performance between Lovelace and Ampere isn't that much better than what it was. Uh, I mean, isn't that much better. So I don't know why I would have any evidence to believe that the 4050, the 4060, and the 4070 laptops are going to be stronger than the 3050, 3060, and 3070. I could see them being weaker. The 4080 and 4090, I guess, will be giving you probably a new tier in performance, or the 4090 especially, than what there was previously. So... I guess there's a relevant premium for that that could justify them selling laptops for four thousand dollars. But the four, the the three mid, low end to mid range cards that they're releasing just seem slightly Horrible. better to maybe worse than what they're replacing. And right, because what that, are they really replacing? Right, because the forty fifty will beat the thirty fifty. And just to jump into what you said before about pri- uh, CUDA core performance, like. The 4090 is like 80 to 100% better than a 3090. Okay. Not 3090 Ti, people. 3090. You know, 
It has 60% more CUDA cores, I think, or actually it's more like 50 something percent. It's around, okay. Uh, yeah. You're, well, no, right. the 3090, it is, it's about 60. Uh, so, okay, 60% more CUDA cores, but it's clocked like 20% faster. So, yeah, take the clock speed and CUDA core difference. That's the difference. These will be clocked faster, I'm sure, but that means that I think the 4050 will definitely beat the 3050. But I think it's going to beat it by 20%, maybe. And again, think of it this way, too. The 4090 has the same bus width as the 3090. All that cash makes up for it and allows it to almost double performance. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So that's where I go. I don't know if the 4070 will really beat the 3070. Because just like it has actually half the bus width. And so when I see 96-bit for the 4050 compared to 128-bit for the 3050, I say... Okay, so probably it's like a 20-30% bandwidth advantage. I mean, and remember, the 4050 isn't going in like $700 laptops. It starts at 1000 The 3060 started at 1000 So the 4050 mm -hmm. is really replacing the 3060. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and it, I, that's what I was going to go to next. On top of the fact that the it appears that the GPUs that they're replacing will be barely stronger to a little bit weaker than their predecessors. Then you also have to add on top of that, that they're also moving uh, down a tier of graphics card for the same price. So, I, I mean, I, the laptop space looks like it's just going to get blatantly worse. And I guess you and I could have, uh, could have hoped that the laptop space would have just kept getting better. But if you'll remember, Tom, like, year and a half, two years ago, we were kind of talking about how laptop price performance is almost catching up to desktop, and I guess That's this true. is just a massive reset in that. Um, that is true. Yeah, like they were <laughs> getting really... It was getting good. Yeah. So Especially I, I, during the mining boom. I don't know. This just feels like a... Oh, laptop OEMs almost forgot that they could do this, and now they're catching up, and... I don't know. There's going to be six months where everybody's just like, so laptops are just worse now. Cool. <laughs> and yeah. That's like who's, bu who's buying a $4,000 freaking laptop. That's the thing I want to get information on is the volume on these things. They're going to start selling on Newegg and micro center. Like I asked someone in Newegg, like, what, so I know you have these like $5,000 laptops. Like, are you going to try to sell as many as you used to 3000? Because that's what I'm guessing, because I've seen a lot of models that some retailers sent me recently, <laughs> over 4,000, like multiple models, not like one crazy one. I mean, I don't know. All I can say with these laptops that they're putting out, that they're going to be putting out over the next couple months, I just, I hope it's the same situation as the 4070 Ti. I hope... I hope micro centers are just filled with mm -hmm. unbought products until these companies capitulate and realize people aren't going to spend this money anymore. I mean, I, I, I think it's been slowly getting worse Euro, for, for years, uh, this whole price thing. Like we talk about, it's like a, a slowly boiling a frog. But at this point, we just notice because we you're playing they're playing a trick on us price performance is getting worse than what it was two years ago and they're trying to tell us like tell us it's not when we can no it's a 40 50 dan not a yeah starting at a thousand yeah 
So it, it's like we it's can. It's a forty ninety, not literally a forty eighty. We can see like these products are getting worse now than what they were before, and people just aren't going to buy them then and tell you lower prices. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's one product that gives me some hope, it is the next one we're about to discuss. So let's just move right into it, into story number five. Navi 33 discrete laptop GPUs revealed by AMD. At AMD CES show, Navi 33 was finally revealed, and it looks quite interesting. The 6 nanometer, 204 millimeter squared die seems poised to perform in laptops 10 to 30% better than the desktop RTX 3060 12 gigabyte, and thus seems poised to bring substantial uplifts to lower mid-range price performance laptops and hopefully desktops, depending on how honest these slides are and if the desktop variant can be pushed another 20%. Although, as always, it will come down to pricing. But do note, this die size is smaller than Navi 23 that currently sells for a little over $200 and launched for between $330 and $380. And so there's absolutely no reason AMD could not sell these chips for $350 or less on desktop, and they should at least compete with the RTX 3860 Ti in performance in 1080p. And again, it all depends on how fast they clock it because what they showed, guys, is 10 to 30% above a desktop 3060, limited to, at most, I believe, 120 watts. So if they could push it another 20%, I don't know, sounds like it might be almost a 6800 in 1080p, probably closer to like 3070. But still, if they made that 300 bucks, there's your new 580. You know? Yeah. Here's hoping. I, I mean... This has been a pretty negative podcast so far. I think the, <laughs> what that was the, they're calling that the seventy six hundred M, correct? Just right. Well, it, it's I actually have the lineup right here, Dan. It is going to be used in the seventy six hundred M XT. Yes, oh, yeah, Dan. Yeah, it's I called forgot. M and then XT, and then also the seventy six hundred M and the seventy seven hundred S and the seventy six hundred S. Okay. So, it's a little odd, but yeah, all four of those cards on laptop. Uh, I, the 7600 at MXT looks really good. I mean, based on what NVIDIA is trying to pull, hopefully this doesn't end up getting slotted in like $2,000 laptops. <laughs> but, but you never know with where the market is at this point. Um, I think it speaks to how pitiful <laughs> NVIDIA's laptop lineup is right now that they're putting out a 7600 that Navi 33 outperforms a 3060 desktop on laptop, uh, the, their laptop variant. And I don't know, that seems like it could put it next in between the 4060 and 4070 uh, laptop editions possibly. So, yeah, I, I mean, this marketing that they were showing at CES looks less slimy than what they were showing with their initial RDNA three reveal. So I'm more hopeful that this won't be a complete crap, but I don't know. Navi 33 looks like it's might be the actual cool die for this generation, which is kind of funny because it's in some ways the least innovative. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I'm trying to pull up here while you were talking there is what the die size is of AD 107, which will be used in the 40 I mean, freaking 60. Have they said that yet? No, but I do okay. see a couple um, 
estimations online that it's around 150 millimeters squared. So I just think that's worth pointing out. Uh, the node NVIDIA is using for 8107 is easily, I think, 20 to 50% more than 6 nanometer, if not some suggestions for 80%. So if, if 8107... You know, especially the cut down model for the forty, fifty, and one thousand dollar laptops. That that uh, that to me sounds like it will cost more to make than Navi thirty three. Well, Navi thirty three seems like it will at least be close to the forty sixty laptop edition when they're both at one hundred twenty watts. Keep in mind, I think it's sixty watts because one of them's on a better node. Mm-hmm. It will outperform Navi thirty three, but I think Navi thirty three. I there's no way around it. I I think this thing could cost notably less to make than these 4016 4050 laptop cards so i mean here's to hoping a- then. amd can put this in 800 to 1000 dollars laptops if they want to and bring previous gen um probably 30 70 laptop performance about to a cheaper price point while having tons yeah. of volume because it's on six nanometer i mean i wouldn't bet money on 800 dollars but I could see $1,200 laptops happening. I, the 3060 I mean, laptops right now are about 800 bucks. That dies 20% bigger. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying I, I, I don't see them undercutting, uh, an OEM undercutting possibly themselves even that much if they're your, an OEM that sells both AMD mm. and NVIDIA. Yeah, whether spots. AMD wants it to or not. Yeah, so I, I, I there's think... nothing stopping them from making like a three hundred dollar card on desktop though that manages to bring maybe almost thirty seventy performance to the three hundred dollar price point. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I because OEMs really just, can't get in the way of that. They can't stop the AMD if they do that. I really just don't see. Uh, well, not uh, not that I don't see something happening. I just don't have any idea what Navi thirty three is going to look like. For, on desktop yet like if they're just going to is it a 3060 ti or is it better is it just like basically a 6708 gigabyte maybe worst case scenarios i would suggest that's what it's going to be yeah because i or are they going to try to push it to like 3070 performance and get it up into that like 450 dollar tier of of pricing well we i don't know if that's possible to get at that to get it uh up to a 3070 with overclocking but Oh, interesting. Do they not say, at least on the slide I have, they don't say the clock speeds of these cards. So they won't say. So I don't know. At 120 watts, is it at 3 gigahertz or is it at a 2.5? Uh-huh. If it's at 2.5, that, well, there might be, you know, we already saw 6 nanometer RDNA 2 cards hit 3 gigahertz. Who's to say this can't? And then they can, you know, push it 20, you know, instead of being 15% better than a 3060, it's 50% better. Well, that would be nice, but we don't know if it's capable of that. We don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess the other thing I would add to this is I was talking to a contact uh, a while ago about, like, the point of Navi 33, because you guys got to understand that, like, if AMD can make this card 200 millimeters squared for this performance, yes, Six nanometer per millimeter squared is cheaper than five nanometer. But keep in mind, a five nanometer version of this could probably be 33% smaller and use less energy and require cheaper boards. So Mm -hmm. it's overall efficiency and pricing is probably only slightly better than five nanometer. Well, of course, giving up some efficiency. The conclusion we came to is the only reason AMD would put this card 
on six nanometer is to take market share because mm. on five nanometer, if you don't plan to take market share, it's probably only slightly more and it will be more efficient. So you're giving up efficiency for volume or why would you do this? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what I would suggest is who knows if OEMs are subbing in uh, AMD, which is what we talk about on the die shrink a lot. If you want to hear our thoughts on that, by the way, uh, subscribe to more slides on Patreon. Um, who knows? But one thing is for sure. The only reason to put this die on six nanometer is if you want to make sure you're not capacity constrained this generation and you can pump out a ton of lower mid range cards for 300 to 350. That is the only reason you put this on six nanometer. So I would suggest AMD's probably going to try to do that on either laptop or desktop. Yeah, it's impossible. I guess we can't say what, which is which yet, but yeah, I mean, I think you easily have something that's at least better than a 3060 Ti <laughs> uh, on desktop when it comes out. Unless, again, they're just completely lying with those slides. That's true. I mean... <laughs> we will the, see. The one thing I'll say is they're being much more obvious in those slides about what the actual thing they're showing you is. <laughs> so, exactly. It seems more authentic to me. The, Seems. The only thing that this could be it without blatant lying is if they found what is it like eight yeah eight games uh or sorry nine games that they cherry picked and this isn't representative. You know the the last thing I would say about this is uh if it is the best case scenario if it is in 1080p even like above us <laughs> around a 6700 XT let alone a 6800. I want, again, AMD to answer us what went wrong with Navi 31. Because <laughs> you have something that has a third the bus and a third the stream processors of the 7900 XT on an inferior node performing about half as well somehow than if it were to reach that as their flagship. And, yeah, I, I mean, there's no way to know. Like, they're, ne they're never going to tell us, I guess is the way I should put it. Well, I did again, and I have heard that the flavor, you know, the flavor of RDNA three and Navi thirty three is a bit different than the flavor in uh, Navi thirty one. So, I guess I will throw that out there as well. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but over the holiday season, I tend to eat extra calories, and Jesse here is no different. She's probably about to go eat that bone right now but you know jesse's a growing girl she needs as many calories as she can get and she's also a dog she doesn't really think about if any of those calories are healthy unlike probably most of you humans watching who are about to go back to work after the holiday season and want something easy to make that hopefully will help you get off some of that holiday weight if that's you consider getting vite ramen vite ramen is a sponsor of this piece of content and vite ramen is an american company that crafted a protein and nutrient rich meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste you can use their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and ingredients of your choice or the new ramen go packages that let you microwave something quickly if you really only do have a 15 minute lunch break and you know Vite Ramen has been an excellent sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for over a year. They've been good to us. So if you're looking for something like this, be good to them. Click on the link in the description and use the special New Year's Eve holiday code Moore's Law to get 10% off any order and a free package of ramen additionally while supplies last. Go to the link in the description and use the offer code Moore's Law and buy Vite Ramen today. Um... But let me move on to a reader mail here. Uh, Beefish writes in and says, 
I have to ask, after seeing AMD's keynote, CPUs look strong, but when we get to laptop, are they really going to only have 6 nanometer Navi 33 this generation? Is RDNA 3 so bad they didn't even want to release a higher tier card with their competition? Is NVIDIA's 106 die? Or is it just lack of interest from OEMs given the poor reception of AMD mobile GPU? Well, I think there's no way around. They think the key to success right now is taking an RX 480 approach on laptop because they just need to get into laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, no, I've heard Navi 32 is coming to laptop. It's just not the priority. I mean... Like, you, you, I, you I, don't I, think this is it, right? I think some people are worried about that for some reason. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, in their own presentation, they talked about how there's more models that they're going to unveil in the coming months. Yeah, but no, so, I don't think this is the end. Uh, yeah, I don't think right. this is their entire lineup, no. I, I mean, right. who knows? That was from an OEM, so maybe this is everything AMD is making for the OEM. But the OEM said, we're going to put have more models with AMD things in the coming months. So, mm-hmm. All right, well, let me move on then to story number six. Let's just discuss if we think prices will drop, because this was a major thing that happened over break and over the first two weeks of this month that I thought it really deserved its own story, its own discussion. Um, Recently, video cards pointed out that reference models of the 7900 XT uh, were already dropping below MSRP in multiple countries. Now, to be clear, the one on Newegg, when this story came out, seemed to have sold out immediately. But at least of me checking tonight, it's still in stock now. This shows, and it's $880. This shows that customers are not happy with non-flagship pricing, and it's having a material effect on street pricing already. Additionally, Micro Center was seen on Twitter failing to make the demand for the 4070 Ti look impressive. Uh, the, I'll put this on screen. This actually made a lot of rounds because it was hilarious. Um, the 4070 Ti on the 4070 Ti launch morning, they said. You know, the incredible 4070 Ti is launched today, and they tried to show a picture of people outside waiting. It was like five people. Note that they would have sent people outside. I think they have like at least 25 locations in the United States. Micro Center would have sent people outside at multiple locations to take a picture for the 4070 Ti. That was probably the best one, <laughs> or at least one of the best ones they could show. Um, let me see what else is here. Uh, I don't really know what else to say here. I mean, me and Steve talked about this on Twitter. Nothing's selling. Multiple cards are dropping below MSRP. And in addition to what I've said today, you know, the 4090 is even slowing down. Do we think there's going to be a price war and a ton of price drops over the next couple of months, Dan? I mean, I think it kind of has to happen at some point. Like, I... I, I don't know about the 4090. I think the 4090 is going to stay where it is forever. But, ooh. But, um, I, I think the, the 4070 Ti, the 7900 XT, and the 7900 XTX have to drop in price at some point. Yeah. And me and you considered doing a die shrink last week, not on like CES stuff, but on, you know where we think prices are going but me and you both decided let's give it a couple weeks because we we it we don't want to celebrate before something happens because we don't know for sure when or how drastically it will happen but 
gun up to our heads, we think prices are going to drop over the next two months a lot on some of these products. I or maybe in the next four months, let's say. I I, I think the 7900 XT and the, the uh, 4070 Ti have to. No one's no one's buying the 4070 Ti. That's going to drag the price of the 40, I mean the 7900 XT. Uh, if the 4080 drops in price to the price of the 7900 XTX, which might also, those two cards pulling down might cause that to happen. I think the 7900 XTX also probably has to drop in price. But so, yeah, I, I think those four cards, there's a very good chance that we'll see a. I don't know if it's going to be massive, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a hundred dollars off of all of them, you know? Well, and I, I think a lot of people have forgotten this. It was the holiday season. Yeah. That's why the 4090 kept selling guys. Cause it was the best product, the hot product during the holiday season. That's it. That might've been it. And I know the 4080 picked up sales a little bit after RDNA three came out, but that was probably always going to happen. There's always people that wait for both companies to get their stuff out and then go, okay, I guess I'll take this one. Yeah. That doesn't mean the 4080 is going to keep selling. Well, it may have had a blip and then nothing again. And the 4090 was sold out over the holiday season. So you can see why the 4080 may be drifted to $1,300, $1,400 and get a 4090 for less than 2000. Okay. That makes some sense, but I'm hearing the 4090 sales are slowing down. If that card becomes more of like a 1600 to $1,800 card, that's going to make the 4080 just not sell unless it's MSRP or not sell at all. And that's going to have the same raining down effect on everything else. And there's no way around it. I just, I think the 4090 is going to settle a 1600. I think the 4080 is going to need a price cut to a thousand. I don't know if AMD will drop the price on the 7900 XTX. They won't need to if they add more performance to it, but they need to do that now. And the 7900 XT, which we all know should be called a 7800 XT, that thing should drop to $800, I think, at least, which would put the 4070 at $700, which would finally push the 4060 to like $550 or $600, which will hopefully, by the end of this year, basically force the launches to get back to somewhat sane levels. And I say somewhat sane because like a $700 4070 Ti is exactly something to celebrate. It's yeah. still $100 more than its predecessor, which was a legendarily stupid card, the 3070 Ti. And if like the... 3060 ends up launching for like I don't 500 instead. I don't think that's exactly a win. If if it came out for the 3060 came out for like 450 to 400, I, I then, think they're going for 400. Remember, it's a 128 bit card. Yeah. Well, if it comes out for 400, I think the most apocalyptic scenario is over. But it's still not good. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be great if it would be great if. Uh, consumers push back enough to where that thing only uh came out for like 350 but i think that's, that's a what a, it should be really i mean i think that's a look, bit of a pipe dream though the 3060 always had too much ram it was never at msrp to this day i don't even think it's really at msrp often <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know the, i think the 4060 is going to be an 8 gigabyte 128 bit card but remember all the cash it has allows it to outperform 192 bit from the previous generation so i think you'd be looking at something that's like 3070 performance okay so 3070 performance 3070 amounts of ram it's using a really small die cheaper boards because it doesn't use as much energy yeah, that card should be like 350 yeah I- i'm not gonna be one of those people that's like it should be 250 
There is inflation. It is a more expensive node, but 350. That's when we'll know things actually we've won. But I would suggest NVIDIA probably wants the 4060 to be 450. The cut down, the 4060 Ti to be like 500, 550, and the 4070 to be 650, 700. And I just don't think that's going to sell, though. I don't. No, it won't. I I mean, I just think if what ends up happening, because right now what's happening so far, it seems is all of the tiers have gone up by like a tier and a half in pricing. If everything falls down to like half a tier to a tier in pricing instead of a, a tier and a half, I guess that's some type we're going to have some type of price performance progress, even if it's not great. Mm-hmm. At least there's something. And then I think that people will be generally speaking a bit happier, even if there will still be a lot of people yelling about how we're still being screwed over, which we kind of are, but not as bad as we are right now. <laughs> well, Dan, let's not forget the elephant in the room as well. Intel brought 3060 price performance to 3060 pricing for 3070 power consumption. So that was a big win, at least. Oh, uh, according to some people, it sure is, Tom. Uh, you also get Call of Duty for free with it, though. So that's pretty cool. That is true. You do get Call of Duty free with Arc, and it doesn't work. So that's also a good reason to get Arc. <laughs> All right, let's stop dunking on Intel. Bob Chasey Dog writes in and says, if NVIDIA does cut the price of the 4080 in the next six months, do you think it would be with the existing Founders model or would they release a Founders Edition 2 model with a cut-down cooler? It seems to me they could scale down to a smaller cooler without losing really any performance quite easily and that would cut production costs quite a bit to something offset to offset. Uh, the lower selling price. This might also take some of the sting out of the price drop for those who paid the current MSRP. See, here's the funny thing. I would say NVIDIA would be more likely to not admit they screwed up and then release a 4070 Ti that uses the 4080 die but cuts it down 10% and uses a 4070 cooler that's way cheaper. But they already have a 4070 Ti, so I don't know. I keep coming back to, I think they just need to do a price cut and then have AIBs use cheaper coolers. Um, That's what I think. I think NVIDIA has kind of painted themselves into a corner where they kind of have to admit defeat at some point with the, what they were trying to pull because uh, if they would have called the 4070 Ti a 4070 instead, maybe they could have done what you were saying, but it's getting to a point where it's like, yeah, if no one's buying the 4080, you're just going to have to drop the price of the 4080. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Instead, and, of, and- instead of doing a soft thing where they basically replace it with a slightly weaker thing so they can say, well, no, it's 4070 Ti is actually uh, 3% weaker, so it's a different card, and that's why it costs $1,000. <laughs> but they, they're in this position where they ha- if they just have to call a price drop a price drop if they want to sell their cards. Yeah, it's either that um, or <clears throat> depending on how bad things get, if they're not the worst, um, I mean, you're just describing a different card at a certain point. They should just do a new lineup. And <clears throat> if GD- if faster GDR6X, which I know there's at least 24 gigabit a second, I think, and then there's 27 gigabit per second GDR6, and then there's GDDR7 on the way, which I've heard at least the top card can use. Uh, AD102, I mean, the top die. Mm-hmm. 
you can see a path where NVIDIA just relaunches Lovelace. Like, this is the milking generation. And just like they did with Fermi, they just kind of fix it and recall the card, rename all the cards or something. Like, I mean, they, they could, could just pull out the super naming again if they wanted to, I suppose. They could. Um, <laughs> they certainly could. But what I would suggest is if they can at least somewhat fix prices or somewhat fix their sales temporarily, I don't know. I would just say try to get a new generation ready for a fall. Put in GDDR7, 32 gigabit per second. If they can use that, that's uh, like a 50% almost bandwidth increase to the 8102 guy. And they could give it, you know, the full die, clock it faster. There's room here to make a generation that bumps performance up 20 to 30% at each tier again. And then they just give it the proper cooler and pricing and relaunch it. I think that's an option. But that would only be an option if like they can afford to wait long enough to do it, I would say. And I think the more likely thing is they just need to do some price cuts. Yeah. And then if they do price cuts, AIBs will be encouraged to use cheaper coolers, not NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. Um, Rowdy LS writes in and says... Hi, Tom and Dan. It seems AMD is trying to optimize costs with fewer transistors and cheaper silicon, knowing they're unable to compete in ASP, while NVIDIA continues to push die size and power if needed to win. Do you think AMD is waiting for NVIDIA to hit the limits of monolithic design before they actually gun for the crown super hard? Thank you. I think there's some truth to this statement, like AMD knows that if Blackwell goes for some like 800 millimeter squared three nanometer die, and then AMD can just do like two four nanometer dies and like use double the silicon of NVIDIA and crush them in performance. Like, you know, what? Because once you get to three nanometer, you're kind of at the limits of silicon a bit here in terms of like pricing, how big you can make the die. You're going to have to start using chiplets at a certain point. I think it's two nanometers actually. Well, like, I, I mean, NVIDIA will have to move to chiplets eventually, right? <laughs> right. Like, if in, but he, yeah, and he's asking like, is AMD waiting to go for the crown hard until they have that working chiplet architecture? I think there's some truth to that. And like, I think you're going to see them be extra aggressive if they think they have that advantage like they had with Epic, you know, against Xeon. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if AMD thought they could take the crown by 20%, they'd do it now. Oh, it, I don't know why they wouldn't do it now if they could, honestly. Yeah, so I don't think, I think AMD tampered things down a little bit with the 7900 XTX when they realized that at least at launch it wouldn't be ready to take the crown. It doesn't need the infinity cache yet because it fix the compute unit, so on and so forth. But <laughs> I, I also think uh, if they thought it could win, they would have pushed it that extra 20% or something. I, I don't think... Yeah. I don't think they're just deciding to. Like, I think that they just didn't have it or something, you know, and they will go for it anytime they can. And if they thought they could have with RDNA 2, they would have as well but they mm-hmm. couldn't quite. Um, all right. Let us then move on to story number seven. I don't have a write-up here. We already talked about it on Die Shrink. I already talked uh, about it with Jared. But with me and you, Dan, we mostly talked about AMD's design wins or lack thereof. What do you think about Phoenix? What do you think about Dragon Range? You know, Phoenix, four nanometer, eight cores. I think it's uh, six work groups. Um, you know, like I leaked... It's on a four nanometer node, so it does have that like other 10 to 20% boost. That's really like a 10% boost over five nanometer afforded to it. They haven't really talked about graphics yet. Um, they're talking, they're tooting 30 hour battery lives with Phoenix. 
Dragon range, you know, is comical. The multi-threading increase they showed in some apps like over into Intel Alder Lake counterparts. What do you think about these products? I thought we should at least mention this, you know, mm-hmm. while we are here. It's in the <laughs> news cycle. Uh, you know, I think I, I, I think the products all look really cool. Uh, like, what is it? I mean, yeah, I guess what the 7040 and the 7045 series are the things that are actually new. Um, I think they both look really good. I think uh, the 7045 series, which is uh, Dragon Range, that enables them to go into the top performance tier of laptops with 16 cores, 32 threads. Uh, the The 7040 series, which is uh, Phoenix, uh, I think allows them to keep where they've been I think optimally performing, which is in the like gaming laptop, like $1,500 to $2,500 range. And I think they also have the potential to go into cheaper laptops. That would be really cool, but they're not going to. <laughs> so uh, there's almost no point. I, think the, I think the Rembrandt rebrands might. The Rembrandt rebrands. Say. The Rembrandt rebrands could go into. Say that 10 times fast. Rembrandt, Rembrandt rebrands. <laughs> the re- or what they're calling it. They're calling it Rembrandt R, which I do like that. Does that just stand for rebrand? Um, yeah, that could go into like an $800 laptop and be something kind of cool uh, without a graphics card. And then beyond that, um, I'm very interested to see how like the first products with an AI engine uh, on PC turn out <laughs> because right, cause Phoenix we think supposedly be like- has them. <laughs> We think it'll be like limited uses, but it'd be really curious if like in a few common apps, the power usage is just like cutting down to almost nothing. Because that's basically what they suggested would happen in some scenarios. Yeah, it's just hard for me to really say anything about the AI engine because we don't know what it will do yet. It's just, Mm -hmm. eh, that's something that's there. Now, do we have really much to say in comparison between this and like the Raptor-like stuff? Like Raptor Lake's better, it's more efficient. Yeah. They they're launching a 24 core model that's 157 watts. Have fun, Intel. Um, I didn't really have much to say though about them personally. No, I not really. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's gonna be some I think Raptor Lake is more efficient than people expected at lower TDPs, but I'm sorry, like I just think Dragon Range it looks better and cheaper. Um and you know, and I don't want to get into that, but that's like a thing that's beaten to death. Like Dragon Range is cheaper, actually, too. Um, and I think uh, if they launch Vcash versions of Dragon Range, which I'm told they've developed, just up to them if they launch them, I think we could see a raffle stomping laptop gaming performance that's unheard of. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we talked about that on the die shrink. The only thing that there is to question is how many laptops it will go into. Because uh, I think this is honestly potentially their best lineup they've had uh oh yeah it just and i think they're positioned to take market share in every tier of laptops it's just a matter of will they attempt to actually do that or not or can they can they yeah Yeah. which we talked about that in depth on die shrink i would just throw it in here again for completionism's sake that like there have been multiple models you know announced that exist from oems that will have phoenix and navi 33 and dragon range uh maybe dragon range will be a harder one because i think phoenix is dropping compatible dragon range might be harder to get adoption but Mm -hmm. like at least when it comes to phoenix and especially the rebrands of rembrandt you guys got to understand that like 
AMD doesn't have the money to design these laptops for OEMs. Intel does. I think Phoenix, Rembrandt, Navi 33, all of these products were designed to drop into the like models that already exist. And that's where they hope to take market share, right? Is yeah. to pump those out because from what I've heard from OEMs, this just they can't ever get enough AMD laptops to warrant designing new designs for them. And so I think AMD is like, well, okay, well, what we'll do this, Jen, is make sure everything's compatible so you can keep selling the stuff you put all this work into that we're sorry we didn't give you enough supply of. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a little surprising that there's not more of a push on the Dragon Range side, considering this is like their first time pushing out something like that for laptops. But, uh, you know, maybe it'll just be in like one or two models from one OEM or something. Yeah. And I guess the other other thing I would say is I saw a lot of people complaining about the rebranding and it's like you keep telling AMD you want them to make more that you want them to have more laptop supply. They can't do that if they have to switch everything over the four nanometer. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is a lineup of four, six, and seven nanometer products so that they're not starting over in manufacturing volume. They're adding more to it. Yeah. That's how they're going to try to take laptop market share because they can't make enough chips, guys. And this is always going to have to happen. And at least now they are naming them in a way where you can look it up and go, oh, this is Zen 4 or mm-hmm. oh, this is Zen 3 Plus. Um, and frankly, Zen 3 Plus seems to be about as efficient as Intel's laptops anyways. If, I know it's weaker, but they seem about as efficient. So if it's the right price, I don't see any room to complain about that. <clears throat> All right. Let us now then move on to another thing AMD announced at CES, Zen 4 X3D with story number eight. At AMD CES, Zen 4 X3D was announced with the performance Moore's Law said leaked a year ago. In short, in about a month from now, AMD will be launching 8-core, 12-core, and 16-core flavors of Zen 4 X3D that are poised to bring another 10 to 30% performance to Zen 4 gaming processors on desktop, although pricing hasn't been announced yet. That's all I have for the write-up. You know, it's some people question the performance. They showed slides showing Zen 4 X3D models beating the 5800 X3D by like 10 to 30%. They showed the 7950 X3D, I believe, beating the i9-13900K by 9 to 30% or 9 to 24%, I want to say. You know, so the KS ain't going to do it. We'll get to it. I don't think it's going to do much, guys. I, I think what you're looking at here is AMD taking the desktop gaming crown by at least 10 to 15%, losing half the energy of Intel. And that's it. Game over, guys. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I guess, I'm, I guess we'll see which one will end up taking the perform gaming performance crown. Probably the X3D. I, I mean, 7950X3D, but... You know, uh, there's not that much to say about the X3D. I I know a lot of people were waiting for them as opposed to getting the uh, initial CPUs they launched. But it's like they're probably going to be a bit more expensive, give you a bit more performance, and uh, it'll give them the nominal performance crown probably, which is ever sought after in CPUs for some reason, even though... Mm -hmm. We are really splitting hairs when we're talking about the CPU gaming performance crown. We're talking about like all, all like a quote unquote low end CPU in, in today's nomenclature to the performance crown uh, on a 4090. We're talking about like what, like 10% performance differences, like between like the 7600X 
and oh. up. It's like th- there's not that much. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, well, I mean, between the 7600X and a 7950X3D, I actually think the difference would be about 30%, maybe, but okay. or well, 20%. Um, but the the thing you're saying about what, does any of this really matter that much? It's like, well, if you haven't built your system yet, yes, this will oh, be the it, best it, gaming uh, chips. Yeah, that's true. Let, let's be clear. Like, there's <laughs> what is it? A gamer's nexus in one of their recent CPU reviews said, and let's get to the next game. Gamer's nexus is premier coil wine tester, Rainbow Six Siege, now at 650 frames on Ultra and 1080p or something. <laughs> like, you know. We're like this is giving you louder coil wine at a certain point. Like that's what this is doing. Well, yeah, especially when we're drag racing in 1080p. It's yeah, a lot of games. It's like, oh boy, you're gonna get 600 uh, hertz on a 120 hertz uh, monitor. You're really going to see nothing uh, (laughs) with what Mm -hmm. you have. And that's the other thing. The reason I'm calling it drag racing is. Okay, so the 7600X, uh, I, I'm looking at uh, I, at 1080p, the 7600X gets like t- 10% worse performance than the 13900KS in, I'm looking at TechSpot's KS review right now. Okay, that's in 1080p. Let's look at 1440p and 4K. The people that are actually buying these things are going to be playing at. That mm-hmm. delta is going to be even smaller. You're basically getting the same thing. I think getting more cores for gaming, it's like, I guess, some future-proofing, but really getting the top-end stuff, I think you should only be doing if you're doing productivity. And I think getting more than the 7600X for gaming, really what you're getting more than anything is just a more fluid experience with your PC in general, which doesn't really translate that well to benchmarks. Mm -hmm. Um. Wait, no. On that note, oh. SNES Chalmers writes in and he says, I suspect that the 7900X3D is going to be a bit of an odd duck and live in somewhat of a performance no-man's land, more so than even previous 12-core models. Its gaming performance is probably not going to stack up to the 7800X3D and certainly not going to beat the 7950X3D when core-bound because there's only six V-cache cores. I'm assuming, he says in parentheses, I'm assuming it's not 8 plus 4, but I guess we don't know that for sure yet. He says it won't match its 7900 and 7900X siblings in multi-threading loads either because half of its cores will probably be boosting lower than the other half and it could be higher or lower but that's not been revealed yet. I suspect lower than 5 gigahertz and that's part of why the 7800X3D has a 120 watt TDP instead of 105 watt but anyways I digress. I guess what I'm asking is who is the 7900X3D for? It's comprised for gaming compared to its X3D cousins and compromised productivity compared to its 12-core siblings. Should AMD have even have created it? I can't see it selling particularly well unless it's significantly cheaper than the 7950X3D and significantly outperforms the 13700K for the same money. Uh, my answer is I've always thought the 12 core was kind of an odd choice for almost everyone. Always. Since the 3900X. That was $500. And then you go to $750 for the 3950X, which I had. That's 50% more money for 33% more cores. Okay. I see why you say the 3900X is better. But back then, X570 was like, $200 or more, you're looking at a $1,500 rig, right? So who needs 12 cores but wouldn't 
had the extra couple hundred bucks on top of their bill for 16 back then. What apps are you using that are using 12 cores, but eight isn't as good or 16 isn't that much better? And that's when the 16 core costs 50% more. Right now with existing pricing, the 7950X isn't uh, 50% more. It's like 30% more. I don't know. I don't know who the 12 core is for right now before X3D. Who needs 12 cores but doesn't want the 16 that costs another 100 bucks or something? I, I And I always, to an extent, uh, until like it became clear that I was wrong, was th- thinking that it might just be the 7800X3D would be the thing that comes out for that exact reason. Like, I think the 5800X3D proved that it has a reason to exist. I think it's easy to slot the 5800, I mean, 7800X3D into the existing mm-hmm. tiers they have right now. Uh, well, before the non-X lineup existed, I should say. <laughs> uh, but now the 7900X3D just, I don't know where you slot it in a price price wise. It kind of might just be, <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's just going to be this weird. Unless it is like thing. an eight plus four thing, I guess. But if it's an eight plus four, I guess it's just a 7,800 X3D with four extra fun cores or something, which if it's mm-hmm. that. Cool. Okay. There you Ma- go. For maybe it is better. Or something. Yeah. But yeah, as it stands, it's just like, I, I don't know what the 7,900 X3D is going to be clearly better than anything at. Like he has a great point. It's not going to be clearly better than really anything that's on the market. It's going to be kind of worse than the 7800 X3D in some things. Kind of worse than the 7800 X, but a little better than the, than both of them at some things. It's I, I don't know how you price the X3D. And I think the, me and me and you were in agreement that we thought they would do an eight core and a sixteen core, and that's it. But I guess uh, not. I, I mean, the, I, I thought that, or or I shouldn't say I thought that. That's what I would have done if I was AMD, and I am slightly surprised they launched this the, the, 12 core. The, the 7950 X3D, especially with the existence of the 13900 KS, makes sense. Um, so I, I don't have any criticism for that car, uh, CPU existing. But yeah, the 7900 X3D seems kind of dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. QH Freddy writes in, and he says, Am I the only one who's really disgusted by the 12 and 16 core Zen 4 X3D models only having one CCD that has vCache? It just comes across as a half-ass fuck you to consumers, in my opinion. Uh, wait for reviews. Otherwise, I don't know why you'd be complaining that they let you boost some of the cores high for the apps that need it. Yeah, I, I mean, all I can say, I guess we'll never know what it would look like with both CCDs having Lower clock speeds. <laughs> well, I, I'm saying we'll never n- functionally know what that will look like, oh. but I, yeah, wait for reviews. Uh, maybe the 7950X3D will be intelligently priced and it will just obviously be a better choice than the 7950X, you know? Well, and, you know, already with Intel, well, already with AMD products, they dynamically switch between cores for even the main thread. So like I've noticed this on my 3950X and now my 5950X, like you'll have one core, you know, now there's a 5950X hitting five gigahertz actually at times. And that will be the main thread for the game I'm playing. And then every now and then it'll switch to another thread at 4.9 gigahertz to keep it from losing clock speed. It already knows to dynamically switch between cores to hit max clocks. Um, And it knows when to load up the first eight cores on 
with no extra threads being used and when to start loading up one of the cores with two threads because it's hyper threading the same you know with alder lake and raptor lake it's deciding between which cores boost the highest which cores should have a second thread loading up on the core using hyper threading and when you should use little cores and then dynamically switch between those clusters so already windows task scheduler is like ah knowing which core to go to why can't they do that with X3D? Why can't the Zen 4 cores know this app benefits from using cache on a single thread? This mm -hmm. app doesn't. This app's multi-threaded. This app single-threaded doesn't benefit from cache. Give it the 5.7 gigahertz core. Why can't they do that? So I would suggest that unless reviews show this thing's a nightmare of choosing the wrong cores, which, again, wait for reviews, uh, this is them trying to give you the best of both worlds, like not limit clock speeds across all threads as much as possible. And uh, also, you guys got to understand, like Genoa X, uh, they're going to sell that thing for a lot of money. And this is a way for them to give you a 16 thread chip that has Vcash without them going, why are we selling something that uses, you know, like a tenth as many chiplets for a 20th of the price? Yeah, I... Uh you know, I, I think it has the, I, I wish we could run the experiment and see what both would look like, but you know, that's not what they're going to release. And I think there's definitely a possibility that having one of each is getting the best of both worlds, because we already know that the X3D does, the Vcash edition does have some drawbacks on it based on uh, the 5800X3D. Yeah, so... <clears throat> Unless we find out it's just an overall downside. What this means, QH Freddy, is when you're playing a game, the main threads can just be running on these Vcash cores that would actually benefit from it. And then in the background, they can now boost to 5.7 gigahertz. Or if you're running yeah. an app, you know, okay, well, now if you're running Blender, you know, only eight of the 16 threads are limited in clock speed. Mm -hmm. So you only lose overall probably almost no performance. That's why. Yeah. Um, all right. Let us keep burning through this dang episode with all this news uh, with story number nine. AMD Ryzen non-X reviewed and launched. It's a very short write-up. As announced at CES, the non-X Ryzen chips are out. In short, they offer 95 to 99% of the performance of their X counterparts while substantially cutting down on the MSRP and offering boxed coolers now one thing especially to note because i did check this before we started recording is the new zen 4 lineup when accounting for amd.com pricing which dan they did what i thought they would or hoped at least suggested they probably would they didn't keep the prices as low as they were over the holidays but they seem to have done a permanent price drop that's a little higher than that so the lineup for zen 4 is as follows six hundred dollars seven nine fifty x $450, 7900X, $430, 7900X, $350, 7700X, $330, 7700X, $250, 7600X, $230, $7600. And of course, the non-next comes with box coolers that are okay. Um, I have AMD fixed their pricing problem with Zen 4. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really think there's that much more to say about the lineup. Like, it's 20 bucks cheaper than across the board. They come with fans and they are only use 65 watts. So you don't need more than that stock fan unless you 
And know. it's a nice stock fan. It's not the nicest one they made, but it's not the Intel one. <laughs> you don't need to get a, a, a liquid cooler for a 65 watt CPU, though, at the end of the day. <laughs> no. And um, also, they priced everything else entirely in line. I mean, now the 7600X is 250, you know, and it beats a i5 in gaming. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say here except that. Raptor Lake seems a bit overpriced to me in relative to this. And outside of pretty remote scenarios and really specific models, like again, maybe that Raptor Lake i7, but I've always liked Alder Lake and Raptor Lake i7s more than I think most people do. Because what, yeah, they basically cut their line. Well, they, uh, some of it they cut by a hundred bucks, but yeah, they, they cut their entire lineup across the board by 50 to a hundred bucks. There's a cheaper option now that comes with a cooler and there's B650 available. Uh, and motherboard prices are coming down now that like the boat shipped models are arriving. Now that it's not the holiday season, DDDR5 is not that bad anymore. Like it, they fixed it. You know, I think there's arguments for like budget workstations with an i5 if you already mm-hmm. have the DDR4. And again, you know, yeah, look, if you already have DDR4, obviously that's an entirely new factor. But if you're building a new system, and any of these systems are like 7,700 or higher, you should probably go for DDR5 to not lose 10% performance, especially long-term, guys, because games are show- newer games are showing bigger performance losses with DDR4 with the newer stuff. Yeah, with the price cuts, the existence of cheaper B650 boards now, and the addition of the non-X lineup, um, I think things like the 5800X3D look a lot a, a mm. lot less reasonable to get now. It's a good upgrade if you already have the system. Exactly. I, I, I obviously I'm talking about a new system. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is there anything else we have to say about this? I mean, AMD found an excuse to drop prices and make reviewers re-review all their stuff. Yeah, and I, I think with that and the X3D stuff coming out, uh, I think Zen Four is pretty clearly the better of the two lineups at this point. On average, you're still certainly it's like. It, still comes down to well what's the price like is there an i5 for 300 is there an i7 for 400 Mm -hmm. you know that matters jesse here may know how to fetch very well but she really hasn't learned one of the main things any viewer of moore's laws dead should know by now and that's that you don't need to overpay for microsoft keys this piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com there's just no reason to pay exorbitant monopolistic prices for microsoft office or microsoft operating systems anymore not when you have someone like cdkeyoffer.com who's been a fantastic sponsor of moore's laws dead for many years now if you're looking for anything from steam games origin games you play games or playstation keys or reasonably priced microsoft software go to cdkeyoffer.com today click the links in the description and use the offer codes broken silicon for 25 percent off microsoft keys and die shrink for three percent off everything else on the website don't be like jesse here who's chewing on my chair right now be smart don't overpay for online software and go to cdkeyoffer.com today um all right 
two reader mails I'm combining here. Samantha Vimes writes in and says, with how AMD has positioned their non-X parts, I'm increasingly curious how these more budget-friendly options like the 7700 will impact day one sales. What do you think the 7800 X30 has to be priced at to sell out on day one? Where would it have to be priced for it to stay on shelves? Or is there just so much built-up anticipation for these parts that they'll buck the trends we're seeing with GPUs and still sell? And inflated prices. And then Mark writes in and says, I just spotted a brand new 7950X for $535 on eBay in the US. With street pricing that low, does AMD dare to charge more than $700 for the X3D? The 8-core can command a high percentage price premium over the 7700 for being better at gaming. Historically, the 5800X3D has been 50% plus more expensive than a 5700X, for example. But does AMD dare to charge 30% more over the street price of a 7950X when multi-threading performance will be roughly the same or even worse? This rationale, along with the announcement of sub-16-core X3D chips, gives me hope AMD won't go crazy with pricing. Um, Well, so when I look at the lineup that exists now, let me see here. I mean, I, I I can't tell you exactly what AMD will do, because I'm going to be honest, AMD's made things more generous and at times more greedy than I would have for stupid reasons. But what I would price, the, the, the most honest answer I can give is what I would do if I was AMD. Now that we know the pricing of everything else, we've already read off you know what the, the lineup is. I would put the 7800X3D at 400 or 420. Hashtag lit. I would put the 7900X3D at 500 or five, yeah, probably at uh, pro- probably I'd say 500. At, yeah. And I would put the 7950X3D at 700. I mean, I, I think those are th- what you said for the uh, uh, 7800X3D and the 7900X3D. That's really the only prices they can be. Mm-hmm. I do. The most I could do is like 750 for the flagship because it's the flagship. And, and then I was going to say. Six- it's six hundred for the seven. Yeah, seven nine fifty X three D has to be five fifty at most. I think the seven nine fifty X three D that could go up to seven fifty because who cares? At, at the top end of the things, the way I see it is this is the who cares how much we charge product. You'll if you're buying this, this is the thing you want. So I think they might try to go like seven fifty for it. Eight hundred is where it would start looking really dumb, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see seven fifty for that, and then. Maybe, maybe they would try to charge more for this 7800 X3D than the 7900, but that would look weird if they did. So that's why I say 420 at most, just because it is an interesting choice. Like the 7900 is going to crush the 7800 X3D in multi threading, but losing gaming by like 25%. Yeah. I mean, I could almost, they could charge basically the same price and just say which. Thing do you want to emphasize more? on amd.com right now literally the 5800 x3d and 5900 x are the same price 350 <laughs> 350 which <laughs> well, i think makes sense what do you want actually or gaming this is a, a bit uh random but i did see the 50 the, not 50 the 7900 x is currently cheaper than the 7900 on amazon which i thought was interesting How much is it 420 versus 450 yeah, so I don't so know. If you're on the market, I don't know. That's something to look at because that's for some reason cheaper right now. But yeah, so I would suggest they can't. They would be dumb to go crazy. Then I think let's just do it. Just four hundred, five hundred, seven hundred. Yeah, like, what are we doing? Like that's what I think they should do. I could see them trying to do something else, but 
The big giveaway to me that they're not going crazy is that the 7950 is 600. They didn't cut the price by 50. They cut it by 100. So they've kind of telegraphed. They're just going to slot things in where they were. If they were going to go crazy, they wouldn't have released the non-X series and they wouldn't have cut the existing series prices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, because and you can see on Amazon, people so don't want that 12 core that it's dropping below the price of the 7900 for those not paying attention. Um, yes. <laughs> that's not a bad deal though. They are 420 for the 12 core. That's pretty good. And that gets us back to like, when do you get Raptor? Like even the I seven, like, why would you yeah. get that over that? I will say though, by the time this comes out, I don't know if it will still be like that. I, I have a feeling that's a weird algorithmic thing going on. That's dynamically oh, changing as, the prices as things do sell or don't sell. Amazon moves or lowers the price. So yeah, the 13, 700 K is the same price right now as the 7900x and the 7900x is only big cores better platform so yeah I, and uses less energy of course so it all comes down to price but if that i7 became 350 and eh, i could see recommending that it may be over a 7700x would crush it in multi-threading mm-hmm. um, we're still at a point i guess what i'm saying i think amd is doing great with their lineup but anytime you say raptor lake versus zen 4 you have to go well, what's the current price yeah all right Speaking of not great current prices, let us move on to story number 10. Intel i9-13900KS launched and reviewed. And I'm quoting from parts of the TechSpot slash Hardware Unboxed review. The new core i9-13900KS is very much like the 12900KS and 9900KS that came before it. This is a special edition CPU that comes mildly overclocked out of the box. It surely is bin silicon, but for the most part, that simply means it's a whisker faster and a boatload more expensive than the non-S parts. When compared to the 7950X from AMD, total system usage is around 40% higher with the i9 part, which is re- uh, total system power usage, is about 40% higher with the i9 part, which is really bad given that the Ryzen 9 processor was 12% faster in many tests so in many respects the 13th gen core i9 series is a disaster for productivity when it comes to power usage and while you can limit its power well then that limits its performance handing the 7950x a larger performance advantage in many scenarios when it comes to gaming there's no way to break the news here it is the 13900ks is a whopping 2% 2% faster than the 7700X. All of that heap and power for a 2% boost on average, or I guess if you use $300 DDR5 7200 RAM kits, the $700 13900KS is a massive 5% faster than AMD's $350 8 core. Wow. The Core i9 13900KS is a dumpster fire of a processor, and at $700, most builders should just ignore it. At the right price, maybe this could be a great product. You'd just lower the power limit to a far more sane operating temperature. But if you're going to do that, the 13900K then would make just as much sense. Short of extreme overclockers, this CPU is a hard pass in our book. All right, Dan, that's what... uh. The reviews, the, the review that came out so far as of this recording said of the i9-13900KS, you're paying double the price using double the energy to get a 2% win in performance, unless you want to make it almost triple the price because you're getting $300 RAM. What do you think of this uh, well, 6 gigahertz processor? If you're into productivity, Tom, though, Tom, you also get like, I don't know, sometimes like 5% better performance than 
what's currently available for way more money. So we have to throw that into our cost equation that it's also bad for that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really don't know how much I can add to the, what TechSpot said. It's a, it's a hilariously bad CPU that I think Intel felt the need to launch because they knew the X3D uh, series was coming out. So this is their way to barely cling to that performance crown for the next month when they probably lose it to the X3D uh, lineup. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the funny thing, too. I actually opened up the video that was mostly about analyzing RDNA 3s you know, node utilization. The first couple minutes, I actually started talking about recent news and my like one and a half minute mini analysis of the i9-13900KS really is Intel wants to make sure they have their golden samples compared to X3D. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. And uh, the fact that it seems like hardware unboxed, at least again, of this recording, is like the only reviewer who got a hold of an i9-13900KS. And it's only because one of their like, one of their contacts at a company that works on like uh, thermal products for CPUs got one early. <laughs> that means Intel's not sending this CPU to anyone. And that means either they don't have a lot of them or they're really embarrassed about it or both. You know, I, I would suggest that whereas AMD can make a million X3D chips and sell them to gamers, Intel does not have a million of these. Yeah. Uh, and they know it doesn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what it is. They want to. They want to make sure that they can firmly say they have the crown before X3D comes out, and and they want to make sure their best foot is put forward, as silly as it is. One of the funniest things I actually found about this uh, product is it didn't really seem to use more energy than the i9-13900K because they're out of energy. (laughs) It just throttles too quick. It's just now throttles at 6 gigahertz instead of 5.8. It doesn't actually use more energy. That's something I... Maybe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just not much to say about these things. I, I just don't think there's really a reason for them existing aside from beg bragging rights by the companies. Mm-hmm. QH Freddy writes in again. He says, when talking about CPUs, particularly the 3900K or KS, I think it's worth keeping in mind that in games, the power draw is substantially lower than what it would be running Cinebench or Blender or some other all-core workload. The 3900K might be an unusable throttle fest because it's at 300 watts of power in a rendering rig, but in gaming, it's pretty similar power consumption to the Ryzen parts at around 100 watts. So while the 3900K and KS are stupid products nobody really should be buying, I do think, at least for games, they are pretty usable, if not absurdly priced. Well, yeah, I know. And here's the thing, though, QH Freddy. This is something I used to bring up with Alder Lake all the time because you'd see people go, oh, look, you know, the i9-12... Uh, what is it the i9 12900k it can use 200 250 300 watts compared to zen 3 and i would go yeah but in multi-threading it's like crushing it and in gaming it's actually using less energy than zen 3 so what's the big deal but i think you know do i have to keep saying that all the time and and that was when you were comparing alder lake to zen 3 comparing it to zen 4 i don't know what scenario it is where we don't have to talk about the power usage anymore because if you're talking about gaming Okay, which product are we talking about? Are we talking about the i9 that costs more than the R9? 
Are we talking about the i5 that costs more than the R5 7600? If we are, the only reason we're talking about the i5 13600K, especially with current pricing relative to the uh, six cores from Zen 4, is because it has better multi-threading. Well, when it has better multi-threading, it uses double the energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I do think that's worth remembering, and maybe I should say it more, but I did used to say it all the time with Alder Lake, and I just think that the reasons people tend to recommend Raptor Lake is because it gives you more multi-threading performance for the money. But then then, then we always need to talk about its power usage. Whereas with Alder Lake, it wasn't always the differentiating factor, but I think it is now. Yeah, and like you illustrated, I think it. I think when you're making arguments, it's just important to remember that like it, it's easy to get into, it, like accidentally fall into con- uh, contradictory talking points if you're not solidly laying out what you're saying enough uh yeah because i I don't know these cpus i I think the entire cpu gaming uh for gaming market debate is getting into a lot of hair splitting for a lot of things that are very very similar uh if all you're looking at is performance uh for gaming and i think you need to look at other things if you're justifying certain purchase if you're justifying a purchase for most of these cpus Mm -hmm. all right brett summers writes in and says tom is the 13900ks the best intel can do just like the 13900k before it it just seems lackluster this was the same issue with alder lake for me again in my opinion where was always the i5 and i7s in the lineup that maintained anything close to being a same product relative to AMD's offerings. The performance bumps are so low, they might as well be non-existent, right? But the price increase can surely be felt. The only time you get something debatably noticeable is when you use 7,200 mega transfer per second or better memory with the KS, which is a steep 33 to 50% more in cost to the 6,000 mega transfer most people are getting right now with their Zen 4 chips, at least where I live in Canada, and it eliminates any pricing advantage they might have over AM5. Is this Intel preparing people that their CPUs might be more money in the future due to falling margins? Well, I think we've discussed why this thing exists. They can't make a ton of them. They're going to cost 20% more because there's not that many of them anyway, so we know people will pay it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, they have to use RAM that also costs twice as much to have the difference even show up, basically. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You know, that that's basically it. This is going to be at cream by X3D. And in terms of, like, falling margins, yeah, I don't know. Intel's in a tricky spot. I think they want people to get used to this price point for sure, but AMD's keeping $600 for their 16-core. AMD's products cost less to make, and... Intel can get people ready for a $330 i5 and soon, you know, $500 i7s if they want, but it doesn't matter if AMD can keep selling their R7s for half the price. So I don't know. It's it's a bad place to be in where Intel's at right here. And I think there's multiple reasons they're doing what they're doing, but I don't think it's just about like preparing people for higher prices because Ryzen Mindshare is good enough where I don't think they're in that. They're not they, in the they're same, not in a it's position. not the same argument as Lovelace, you know, they're where they're like a, trying to. Yeah, they're not in a position where they can start trying to charge more when their competitor is forcing them to lower their prices all the time or keep their prices in check is the way I should put it. Uh, <laughs> if if you're trying to prepare us to pay for an $800 i9 and AMD is offering something better for a lower price, well, you're just preparing us for a product we're not going to buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. 
Speaking of preparing people for products they're not going to buy, let us move on to story number 11. Intel launches fourth-gen Xeon scalable processors and Mac series CPUs. So I did look over some of the stuff. Most of what I saw about these Sapphire Rapids 60-core products is that in some workloads that specifically use their accelerators, yeah, they can blow away Zen 3 and whatever. Uh, but, you know, in most tasks, they lose to Zen 4, 96-core Genoa by quite a bit. And they cost twice as much or something. Like, they're like $17,000 per chip, whereas AMD's actually keeping Genoa pricing very sane with like ten grand for a 96-core. So, what do you think, Dan? I, you know, I didn't spend as much time looking at this. This is where we had so many st- stories. We had to kind of d- divide and conquer. What do you... And I ask you because... I did look at this and I wasn't that impressed, but there were some Intel apologists trying to make these things sound impressive. Do you think they look impressive? What is your take? You know, I don't want to go attempt to go out of my depth because it's like, these are things I'm never going to buy or probably never even going to use in my life. So I don't want to like overstate my case at all. It seems to me from what I, I, I could look up from what I could ascertain from these benchmarks, uh, is that in AI workloads, the 8490 seems like it blows away uh, Epic for the most part, like sometimes like doubling performance over Epic. And everything else, Epic kind of w- wins a decent bit to loses by a small margin to the 8490H and seems to use a bit less power on average. So... Does it, it should it be 70% more than a, than a AMD's top end Epic? I think no, but I guess if I, what you're running on your server or your supercomputer or whatever this is going into is a bunch of AI tasks, the 8490H, which is uh, Sapphire app, it seems a bit better. <laughs> now, Here's or, the no, thing. seems substantial. Not a bit. Seems substantially better. Now, here's the thing, though. A lot of these AI workloads are. I'm sure there's some specific ones where you want this, for sure. Or Intel wouldn't have done this. Having said that, I've talked to people who do a lot of work with AI, and they say they're always using like, you know, something like Hopper or MI250X to. I don't think Hopper's is it Hopper even out? Yeah, I don't think Hopper's technically out actually, but um, I have to double check that. But like you know, the Mi two fifty X, they're using these like professional accelerators. They're not using Sapphire Rapids for this. They're using these like mega AI chips. You know, so well, yeah. And a, what a Hopper's a counter argument I've heard is that no one you almost never use Sapphire Rapids for this stuff anyway. Some people do, and that's who's going to use this. But well, yeah, because what um. Hopper is paired with an ARM CPU, if I'm remembering correctly. Which some of them will be paired with Sapphire Rapids. Okay, so okay, I guess the one that Nvidia is pushing is paired with a. Oh well, ARM of course, CPU. in their own are yeah, like yeah. Grace and stuff. And the Mi 300 will be what that will be paired with AMD CPUs. Epic, I'm I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I I don't know who it's for exactly. I uh. I guess the counter argument is the AI solutions that are already present by AMD and NVIDIA will probably be what most people go with anyways. And mm. 
it seems to me that Epic is still clearly better than what uh, Intel has to offer right now for when it comes to server. Yeah, the way I'd put it is this. What most people are buying, you know, dozens of core per socket chips for, what most people are using them for, Epic dominates. Yeah. And it's a lot cheaper. Intel launched a worse product after Genoa was out. And they haven't even launched MI300, Genoa X, Bergamo yet. That's only going to make the situation worse. And what stood out uh, to me, a, a thing that stood out to me is how it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was usually the case, but looking through those benchmarks, how common it was for uh, Zen, the top Zen 3 Epic CPU to even be uh, the 8490th in some tasks. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. That happens with some regularity still, too. <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is there were niches where Ice Lake X, Xeons did excel and did better than Epic. And just like I, I would compare this to like Milan versus Ice Lake X, except more. The things Intel accelerates at, even more so. The things they are already losing really, really badly at <laughs> that most hyperscalers are using these for, by the way, the core counts, they lose by even more. They cost more. They use more energy. It's just worse. And AMD hasn't even launched their other stuff yet like they just have their basic crap out and fine and, and and finally let's just be clear too sapphire rapids cost more because it costs a lot more to make too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um but i think yeah i think i'll leave it at that resident mexican writes in and says hi tom so why do you think that intel keeps boasting about having products competing in the high end when it's obvious that their product lines aren't fleshed out at the time they make the claims. It seems to me like they're always taking a shot in the dark and they have no idea of the performance targets they can realistically achieve years after they announce their products and they're paying the price every time they can't deliver. I think every now and then we get questions like this and the answer always is Intel is worth, Intel brings in the revenue of NVIDIA and AMD combined times two combine amd and nvidia's Mm -hmm. yearly revenue double it again that's intel so intel has to look like a juggernaut they're showing off like falcon shores and rialto bridge and all this crap you'll never be able to buy because they need to look like they're on the cutting edge and then amd who is actually the underdog by the way they are the underdog their revenue is like a sixth of intel's or a seventh i think a year or was it fifth? One, two, three, four. Okay, a fifth. A fifth of Intel's revenue every year. AMD can announce something a year before it comes out, under promise, over deliver, because they're the underdog and no one expects the underdog to do well. I'm not saying Intel's right to do this, but I think Intel feels like they have to look like they're two steps ahead of the competition because they should be with how big they are. Yeah, I mean, once again, I, I and it's. I think you need to emphasize they're also uh, have their fabs, which is why they're also a substantially bigger company. But they should be, based on the sizes of the two companies, you would think Intel would be more ahead of AMD than they are, I guess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so you would agree, though, that's why they keep announcing this crazy shit. I'm not saying they should, but that's why, because they have to look like they're ahead. Something has to give at some point. I mean, I guess what's giving is the stock price of the two companies are relatively close to each other, if I'm remembering correctly. And 
Yeah, their market caps are, yeah. Based on revenue, they shouldn't be. And I guess that's where AMD is pulling ahead, maybe more so than they should be, given that they are a way, way smaller company. Well, this year we'll find out, right? Yeah. I think we'll find out. Is AMD grossly overvalued? They seem to have better roadmaps. They deliver more consistently. All right, you better stuff. Are you actually going to take market share again? And then Intel's going to prove, you know, can you hold on? Will you get all the stuff that you keep showing off as a glorified PowerPoint company? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Is this, can you really hold on? Are you going to run out of money already? That's what we're going to find out, I think, this year. Um, All right. Speaking of crazy products, though, let us get to our final story. It is story, your story, number 12. MI300, I'm quoting here from Manantech. Alongside AMD's widely expected client product announcements uh, this evening, this is from, you know, when they announced it, this evening for desktop CPUs, mobile CPUs, and mobile GPUs, AMD's CEO, Dr. Lisa Su, also had a surprise up her sleeves with a large crowd gathered for her Prime CS keynote, a sneak peek at MI300, AMD's next-generation data center APU that is currently under development with Silicon literally in hand. The quick teaser laid out the basic specifications of the part, along with reiterating AMD's intentions of taking leadership in the HPC market. First unveiled by AMD during their 2022 Financial Analyst Day back in June of 2022, MI300 uh, is AMD's first shot at building a true data center class mega APU, combining the best of AMD CPU and GPU technologies. As was laid out at the time, MI300 is a disaggregated design using chiplets built on TSMC's 5 nanometer process and using 3D's die stacking to place them over base dies, all of which in turn will be paired with on-package HPM memory to maximize AMD's available memory bandwidth. At 146 billion transistors, MI300 is the biggest and most complex chip AMD has ever built, and easily so. Though we can only compare it to current chip designs, this is significantly more transistors than either Intel's 100 billion Xeon Max GPU, Pontevecchio, or NVIDIA's 80 billion transistor Hopper 100. Though in fairness to both, AMD is stuffing both the GPU and a CPU, so you'd hope it'd be more. The CPU side of MI300 has been confirmed to be 24 of AMD's Zen 4 cores, finally giving us a basic idea of what to expect with regards to CPU throughput. Meanwhile, the GPU side is still using an undisclosed number of CDNA3 architecture CUs. All of this, in turn, is paired with 128 gigabytes of HBM3 memory. According to AMD, MI300 is comprised of nine 5 nanometer chips sitting on top of four 6 nanometer chiplets. The 5 nanometer chiplets are undoubtedly the compute chiplets, which was leaked by Moore's Laws a year ago, by the way, everybody. Uh, though a precise breakdown of exactly how everything goes isn't out yet, but we could assume it's eight Zen 4 cores per chiplet paired with six GPU chiplets or something. But there's still some cache chiplets unaccounted for, and so we're really not quite sure yet. Making AMD's on top of statement literally 6 nanometer chips for the base tiles and blah, 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 blah. There's eight HBM3 memory stacks in play, which implies around five terabytes per second of memory bandwidth, if not more. 
With regards to performance expectations, AMD isn't saying anything new at the time. Previous claims were for a five times improvement in AI performance per watt versus the MI250X and an overall eight times improvement in AI training performance. And this is still what AMD is claiming as of CES. So when launching later half of 2023, AMD's MI300 is expected to be going up against a few competing products, the most notable of which is NVIDIA's Grace Hopper Super Chip, which combines NVIDIA's ARM V9 Grace CPU with Hopper GPU. NVIDIA has not gone for quite the same level of integration as AMD, which arguably makes MI300 a more ambitious product, though NVIDIA's decision to maintain a split memory pool is not without merit. Anyways, though, there it is, guys. And just to reiterate, I link I leaked this configuration a year ago, and that was four base six. Well, well, there's a base like three twenty seven hundred to three thousand millimeter squared interposer tile, right? On top of that, four six nanometer tiles. On top of those, two five nanometer compute chips based on what I saw. And then there's a top layer, it seems, that we've learned as I talked to, who was it on Twitter? I forgot his name, who does a lot of analysis. Because um, he was like trying to guess, like, what does this chip look like? And I'm like, well, you could just look at my renders I've had for a year, <laughs> dude. That clearly is correct. The thing that is new is there seems to be some like thin layer of structural support, which I did reach out to a source at AMD. And I was like, why does it look like there's no five nanometer compute chips? And he said, oh, there is a layer of silicon for structural soundness on top of them. <laughs> so okay. for my renders, I wouldn't have shown that anyways, because I wanted to look cool. But that's why it looks like just four tiles. It's not. Four six tiles, four six nanometer tiles. On top of those are the five nanometer tiles. Now, I don't know why there's nine five nanometer compute chips, though. There should be two per chip per tile, from what I can tell. And... Hmm. Yeah, so if there's 24 cores, you would think it'd be like three of the eight are Zen 4 chiplets or something, but I'm not sure yet. Not sure. So uh, there you go, Dan. What do you think? I mean, once again, there's a lot. In, I'm sorry. It falls into the this is outside of my depth, so it's hard for me to talk about it. But like, I don't know. It sounds complicated, like a really complex chip and. Based on what I can tell, it seems more complex than the uh, allegedly to exist Ponte Vecchio. And uh, well, that that's supposedly just came out. So oh, okay. now it exists, I guess. <laughs> and uh, it sounds. I guess we'll see what it looks like compared to Hopper, uh, like the chip that NVIDIA is putting out with uh, the CPU and uh GPU on board with the H100 sounds like it could be similar complexity to this, but I don't know. This uses a lot of a lot of chiplets. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see here. So QH Freddy writes in and says, why do you think people keep drinking the hopium of a desktop mega APU when there isn't a market for one? I mean, heck, guys, MI300 is going to cost like $10,000, $20,000. Which is affordable, right? You know... I actually don't know, QH Freddy. I do think the idea of a mega desktop APU, I think we're learning it's not an obsolete idea. It's obsolescent. And I remember hearing this term because I'm like a little bit of a gun nut. And like, you know, you see people go, why aren't SMGs used as much? That's like P90s, MP5s for people who like guns. Um, or like, because in World War II, we just used Thompson's MP40s, all these SMGs. And the answer is, well, if you can make an M4 or an AK as compact as an SMG, I know it weighs a little more. I know it probably has more recoil, but it can also engage triple the range. So I understand 
you still use SMGs sometimes. They're not obsolete, but they're kind of obsolescent. They're just not the thing you would choose when you can use another thing that does more things well. So I look at mega APUs. I'm not saying you can't design it well and use them in certain circumstances like Apple is, but why when you can just pair a graphics card with an a, a smaller APU that kind of does more better for less money? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to that argument that uh, was around forever when mobile gaming started to take over. It's like mobile is going to take over desktop. And it's like, well, you can always make a bigger thing that's better than a mobile thing that currently exists at the same time. And I think APUs are going to start creeping into desktops at some point. But I think I think it's always going to be the low end that they creep into for desktops. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's going to be some inflection point that makes it make more sense to just have everything be an APU. I mean, we know reasonably big APUs can exist because of consoles and because of things like MI300, but um, our reasonably big APUs can exist for a consumer, but it just doesn't. But there has to be like a flagship use that like a like most of the volume. Yeah, because (laughs) or, or like an Apple laptop. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're, why would you, you know, unless you're going to sell like a hundred million of this thing, why not? We or we have Navi twenty four. We have Rembrandt. Put them together. Yeah, like, and that's going to be cheaper, and in some scenarios, more efficient because you can just disable the GPU entirely when you're not gaming. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the use for this unless, again, Apple or Microsoft or some OEM customed ordered like a 300 millimeter squared apu but it would have to be about there because any bigger then you run into defects then you have to disable part of the apu okay i have to disable part of the apu why am i not just using a 200 millimeter squared cpu and a 200 millimeter squared gpu that have better yields than one 400 millimeter squared apu Mm -hmm. you know so it's not obsolete there are circumstances we do it i just think it's not this silver bullet of efficiency because of how much more it would cost unless there's some, you know, main backer behind mm-hmm. it. And there isn't unless it's a console. Um, speaking of consoles, Balto writes in for the final, final thing here, Dan, on this ridiculous episode. We, I think we knew ahead of time was probably going to be ridiculous and says, it seems a couple of PS fives have had their liquid metal seep through the seal because they were standing upright. Thoughts on this? Should I worry or continue using standing up? I ask, is this might be a real issue or one of those times media blows stuff way out of proportion? So do you use your PS5 standing up, right? Yeah. Any issues? Not currently, no. <laughs> yeah, and I asked NX Gamer. And he Actually, said he has... I, I, I will ask Go a on. question. Have you measured frame rates in uh, God of War while you're playing it in the uh, performance mode? Yes. Do you know what you're getting? Oh, um, right. So I'm using in God of War the 1440p unlocked frame rate mode. Yep. I, th- I mean, I'm in like, you have to remember, I've just started playing, but like in this opening snowy area, and then like the geyser, you know, area. That's like kind of the, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, I think I'm generally getting like a, a 75 to 90, but it depends on the scene. Okay. I, I mean, this is hardly a scientific comparison. But it's but a good question. I'm getting the same frame rates as you. <laughs> like, I think I want to say it's usually 80, but it, it drops to the 70s and I've seen 90s, you know? 
For me, it's generally staying in the 80s range. Uh, yeah, it drops that below sounds, at some point. But it, that, yeah, that sounds the same, the same to me. Okay. So, yeah. And then beyond that, listen, you have a piece of, li- you have liquid sandwiched in between a bunch of solid components. If the seal breaks, the liquid can leak out of it. That's what's happening. Uh, and there seems to be a few cases of it. I mean, I don't know how substantial you could say. <laughs> I don't know how I'm trying sub- to decide what color should be Sony. I don't know how substantial you, of an issue you can say it is. It seems like as far as I can tell, there's one picture of one broken uh, of one PS4 with a seal broken on it uh, or the seal for the CPU broken on it. That's allowing liquid metal to leak out. And then a few repair shops saying that they've seen that before. So my guess is it's a semi on a semi rare issue. That's, affecting more than more than no one but probably isn't going to be breaking every (laughs) every playstation 5 that's standing up it's probably going to happen to a small number of people yeah uh yeah all i can say is talking to nx gamer who's quite a few contacts and quite a few ps5s that he plays more often than me he said he hasn't seen this in any ps5 so um Take that yeah. for what you will. And that was a good idea comparing our frame rates between games. Because if, uh, uh, if I was like, uh, if you were telling me 100, I would be like, I'm oh, like, I'm maybe. always at 100. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, and if you guys are thinking that if you're listening to this and Dan sounded distracted ever, it's because I switched between different shades of blue about 100 times trying to decide what shade of blue to use <laughs> for PlayStation so it's not the same as Intel. And I think I've decided on a light turquoise. I don't know if that's the color they use anymore, but that's kind of what they use with the PS4, right? They that like turquoise-ish yeah. blue. So I'm going to go with this color, guys, for PlayStation for now. It means I should probably use a different green for Xbox than NVIDIA, but whatever. Um, all right. I'm exhausted. You can probably tell my voice is falling apart. Um, we don't have a wrap up, you know, I looked at wrap up, uh, you know, where we usually do micro stories, things that we missed and I don't see it. You know, I don't see anything that stuck out to me and we had twice as many stories as usual. So I thought this would be good enough. Um, and, uh, that's about it. I mean, thanks for listening to broken Silicon. Remember to double check that you're subscribed to the Moore's laws at YouTube channel. If you're watching us there, half of you aren't subscribed on a lot of content. Apparently. Um, ring the bell button so you don't miss upcoming stuff. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe to Broken Silicon on a podcast app. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or some other podcast app that really helps us a lot as well. Um, and uh, support us on Patreon to ask questions throughout this year. We're trying to hit that next Patreon goal. It's stacked. It's plateaued a little bit over the past couple of months. And when we get there, I'm looking into ways to have ad-free video versions of everything, including Die Shrink, start coming out and looking into adding one more piece of weekly content. But you'd be able to afford to hire someone else to help us edit it and manage it because I can't do it all. <laughs> <laughs> and already me and Gerard and yeah, I know you and are, are really overworked. And we've hired a renderer. So $2 a month, guys, gets you Die Shrink. $4 gets you free questions and, I mean, a bunch of other stuff early and ad-free. So yeah support us if you can support us for less than a cup of coffee a month um yeah just for some reason how we measure everything is it or isn't it as much as a cup of coffee per month it is not you can afford it yeah and the five dollar tier there's no five dollars four dollars four dollars sorry four dollars there you go it's currently less than a a dozen eggs tom so 
Yeah, actually, it is like half as much as some eggs I've been getting. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So, I mean, come on, guys. Just eat one less egg a month and give us and support us. You'll get access to the Discord, die shrink. You really need to eat two eggs with breakfast every day. Maybe one egg. Yeah. Come on. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Bedlin, Drita Fole, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Patecki, Mohamed Akwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Dan Renner, Daniel Hyde, Treadbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Josh Law, Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, Desenius Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg D. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valcom Olev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spantum G. Spantum, Jonathan, Lord Starstream, General Gyps, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Hacker, Dominic Cock, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lavoy, HardForeRoom.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Bassler, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stephen Hart, David Sebastian, Meat and Pork Stew, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jaskowiak, Travis Gooden, Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Odd, AWS, Danny, Patrick Grow, Amy Will Chief, Gray, Brett Summers, Milton, Stephen Dick, 
Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, Delmaine Peterson, James Anderson, Marshall Pierce, Mark Rainmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Norithiel, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan Koladic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Keith Moore, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antics, Joseph Kelly, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Mayor, Keith Moore, Keita, Abdul Kadar, Precision, DNA Tech, Radian Technologies Group, John O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushbot, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Neith Rusink, Mean Dean, Cal, Andre Jacques, Game and Sense Reagan, Jeff Sadler, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Windstar, William Welpy, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Nellima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelvin, Austin Hagerty, Roger Davies, Shea, Julian Leak, or Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, John Iverson, Samuel Park, Aaron, The Eternal Dreamers, Jansen, Angima, Mark Central, Derek Lammy, Michael, Forza Force, Himsagung, Arby Racer, Space Channel 5, Jay Torino, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. 